are rolling, 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 rolling along. Welcome to the Centralist tonight, everybody. We've got Joe Montaldo coming in. He's flying in to New Orleans, so he's on the way. We've got Jay, you can call Ray, you can call him Jay, you can call him Jay McNichol. I'll tell you, man, he is our fetus attorney. He's the, the attorney for all things, uh, you know, abortion-related things, <laughs> I guess. You have me, of course, Michael Angley, and I'm doing my thing. And we invited others to come on to see what they have to say about this crazy political time. I think now is the most exciting time to be alive. I don't know about back in the 50s or whatever. I think things were probably pretty subdued for a lot of people. But these days, there's no holds barred. It goes right, race to the bottom of the barrel. Who could be the worst? Who could be the most horrible? And I'll tell you, every time I see this elderly Joe Biden shaking, angry, saying these MAGA extremists, the MAGA extremists are a threat to democracy. Every lie, every deceitful thing that this Democratic Party has done is a threat to democracy. So these people want to rewrite the playbook in their way. Oh, if you if you go against them, you're done. I I'm not even an extremist, MAGA, whatever. I felt threatened by Biden's comments, by his ranting speech. I was like, is this for real? Is this really where this guy thinks things are at? And who is he courting? You know, who are these MAGA extremists that that he mentions? Uh, you know what, the hardworking uh, Americans. Who, 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 hardworking Americans who have some kind of faith, who have some kind of faith in their family, who want to make a few bucks and support their family, support their town, the places that they live. Oh, yeah, they're horrible people. Horrible. They're a threat to democracy. Really? Is that what you think a threat to democracy is? I think people uh, stabbing people, shooting people in the streets. I think open border. Oh, I definitely think an open border is a threat to democracy. I don't think you, you can go too far away from that fact that you have an unsecured border where millions of people are coming over. You don't know who they are, what their intention is. I mean, let's face it, a lot of them are males, and their intention is to come here and do what? You know, I, I don't understand the Democrats thinking and, and doing all this other than the fact that they probably feel that these people coming over are going to vote Democrat. And, and they can flood the country. You know, they're always trying to make the rules where illegal aliens can vote in local elections. They do in California. And then they're not questioning it in New York. So there are things going on that, that are really above and beyond reasoning, normal common sense reasoning. So now you have DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. I started off not liking him. And I, to me, now he's an endearing character. You know, he's he's kind of like Bugs Bunny to me. You know, Bugs Bunny, you're old enough to remember Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny didn't play politically correct. <laughs> None of those guys did, but they got the point across, didn't they? And uh, and when it comes to Bugs Bunny, DeSantis, 
when this dude DeSantis, well, here's Jay. Here's Jay McNicholas. There you are, sir. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Adding you to the stream, and you are on. You All are right. on. I think you're on. Are you on? Yeah, I'm here. I hear I think. you. I see you. You're low. Are you low? Oh. You don't hear me very well? You're just a little bit low. Maybe I'm loud. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. My computer was acting up funny on the last show, so that might be part of it. Okay. All right. Either way. Hey, man. So how you doing, Jay? How was your week? Good. What's going on? Oh, God. I had seven days straight in a row where I was working. Then at my first day off, I did the lawn. So I'm destroyed. I'm still recovering. <laughs> yeah. Things got busy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I had seven days straight working without a day off. That was hard. And then I, instead of resting on my first of two day off, I did my lawn. And it was like almost two feet tall, wet, and I had to do two passes. So I was, I'm, I'm just, this week was just destructive, <laughs> but I'm recovering. Oh, yeah. I hope so. I mean, it's getting <laughs> fall, fall time. So, you know, things, are, yeah, I won't have to cut the grass every Things seven, are coming together. Anymore. Yeah, we got down in the Leaves 50s. Start to change. Got yep. the, yeah. For most of the country, it's still pretty hot, I gather. So they're going through the throes of heat. But that's that's the world we're in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jeff is down there in Florida, Florida and he's got 75-degree weather. We had 55-degree weather last night. <laughs> oh, last night here went down to, I think, 41, something like that. So Yeah, you're a little further north chilly. than I am, so... I had to put my space heater on. I didn't want to turn the heat on, heat on, you know what I mean? But just to stay, you know, like pretty comfortable. I mean, you know, it is what it you, is, man. And we get we get really early fall. Do you use the, for, the fan forced heater or do you use like those oil filled radiator heaters? Uh, just a little ceramic heater that I yeah. bought because I do a lot of hotel hopping. And uh, right. when I'm doing that, a lot of them don't have good heat, you know. No matter what the yeah. brand, you can be in a Hilton or whatever. You can rely on that thing on the wall. If it's really cold outside, you'll be cold. Yeah, yeah. They either will cook you or or freeze you. Either one of those machines. Um, yeah, I got a tiny little uh, Black and Decker. The the thing is so small, but it could heat a whole huge room. You know, there was one place that had thirty foot ceilings, and then like it yeah. made it hot in there. So that's awesome, man. So I was I was talking about Ron DeSantis. And uh, now he's my my big bunny. He's my Bugs Bunny. He he's, reminds me of Bugs Bunny. I like that. You know what I mean? And the fact that he sent two planes of migrants to uh, Martha's Vineyard. What do you think of that? Wow. Um, what is? First of all, is Martha's Vineyard is it a, is it a, one of those sanctuary cities? It is a sanctuary. Massachusetts is a sanctuary what? state. Then in that case, more power to them. I hope they enjoy their their tourists. <laughs> Martha Martha's Vineyard is a big liberal enclave. Of course, the Obamas have a twelve million dollar mansion there. People, the local people are calling on him to open his mansion up to these uh, illegal aliens. That he's that not going to do that. He's not really. Do you think? No. So I mean, you know, James Taylor. He's always singing songs about you know suffering and all that. He's got a beautiful place in Martha's Vineyard. 
So uh, it's a big liberal enclave where the limousine liberals are all there, and then now they're all going crazy. It's funny when these these illegal aliens are shipped to your neighborhood. They don't care. Or they're coming over the border in Texas and Arizona or even Florida. They got to deal with them. Right. They don't care. You know, now they ship, ship it to them. Now they got a breakfast burrito special in Martha's Vineyard. I think that's awesome. You know what I mean? We got to give that <laughs> a little bit of applause. So, I, think, I think that's a good slap in the face. I mean, it really is. I mean, just, I mean, think about that. You know, all these people are like, they don't want to enforce the laws that are on the book. You know, and I don't have any problem with anyone wanting to come here through the proper channels. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, we don't, we can't let in everybody all the time every day of the year it's just it's not feasible but they should have a way to get here i agree with that but to not enforce the laws is just that's their job right i mean we don't know who they are they're sworn in to enforce the law i mean the, the ones coming over the border illegally you can't you can't have it you can't take on you know there's there's hundreds of millions of people out there that would come into america if they thought that they could. And there, there's, you know, they go on the notion, uh, you know, like, you know, the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, you're poor, you're weak, and all that. Yeah, and we naturalize more than one million people a year, more than one million, which is quite a bit, you know. It's, it's and, a lot of people. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's not something to scoff at. So, but the open border, you don't know who they are, what their intention is, then you get, uh, you know, the drugs coming over, of course, you, you've got so many issues with cartels. They're, they're, they're taking organs now, harvesting people's organs, we're hearing, and then uh, pulling, a, you know, a Chinese uh, playbook right there. And then also, uh, they're actually cutting children over and putting drugs inside of them, sewing them up and bringing them back over. So, I mean, like, there's things like that, that these are all manifestations of this open border mentality, you know? Yeah. And it's got to stop. Be, be, I mean... It's just you know what gets me about the Democrats. These they're causing these atrocities, and then they act like nothing's happening. They act like you know when like they were making their victory lap for for the bill they just pushed through. That's going to reduce inflation while inflation is going sky high, and things are getting more expensive and not not cheaper. You know, but they're they're just not in touch, and they don't want to be. They don't care. I don't think they think they care. Well, not, as long as it doesn't affect their life immediately, no, they they could care less. When it starts to affect their life immediately, then you know they got something to say about it. They they support you know? the, they support the worst possible people, pe- yeah. people that that we would look at and call evil very easily, and and they they not only support it, they they kind of green light it, and uh, you know, and then protect these people, like you know, like uh, Jeffrey Epstein. You know, he's he's a guy that had. <laughs> evidence on a lot of people we don't, we don't hear a word not a word not one word so so this is this is how powerful they are this is what they do and then right now you know when you're looking out at the world and you're looking at i love the martha's vineyard thing uh i don't think that these people are being used as pawns it's interesting to hear mayor adams in new york city condemn the debt for the debt republicans for sending these illegal immigrants really the Democrats sent thousands and thousands more. He hasn't said a word, not a word. So, so you can't have it both ways. You know, it's yeah, either it's right it, or it's wrong. If it's if it's a sanctuary city, you can't say anything. So what? Your your government has spoken. <laughs> it's a sanctuary city for undocumented illegals. You know, it's and now they're getting it in, in the face, and they don't like it. And the hypocrisies 
shining really bright and you know they're they're trying to make it like like oh my god look at the republicans are doing their they're weaponizing these people. One guy likened it to the Nazis, and you know what the Nazis? The Nazis didn't send anybody to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, no, they they sent them to an oven and then cooked them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so quite a different thing. Yeah, but but I think that that lunacy and that hypocrisy is just so out there, and people are responding. You know, you, you see the New York Times says, you know, the Democrats are, are coming up in the polls. The Times, really? And you listen to these liberal rags. Of, of course they're going to say these things. Yeah. The only people who, who really take those polls in those those rags are the ones who like it. You don't find a lot of Republicans floating around reading the New York Times. I don't read the New York Times. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the problem is, is you know, their, their true colors are showing, the, the duality of it. You know, it, I, I don't get how you can sit there and say it's okay to just let them run across the border. But then when they show up at your border, you have a problem with it all of a sudden. How would they feel if it was, uh, you know, 80,000 Chinese soldiers marching over the border? Or how would they feel if it, oh, it was Russian soldiers? Drop a load in their pants. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, none of there them are no more Russian soldiers. Apparently there are no more Russian soldiers. Uh, so I can't wait. You say Russia, but uh, you know, North Korean, or who it doesn't matter. An invasion's an invasion, and yeah. an invasion is a non secured situation where you don't know who's coming in, and you need to be able to defend and protect your nation. And that's that simple. It's that simple. You know, when I was out west doing my thing, there's uh, you know, in southern Arizona, southern that whole southern California, Arizona area, right? There are signs on the highway that say, you know, don't stop for anybody. If you see a speeding vehicle, get out of its way. You know, uh, I mean, like they're so they're allowing these cartels and these drug runner criminals to function and operate within the United States of America. Their answer was to put up a sign. To so what the sign does is warn you, you're the innocent uh, person. You know, uh, whether you're American or not, cruise, whoever you are cruising down that road, you're in danger. You're in danger, and that yeah. sign tells you. But no one's there to protect you. And say, hey, you know, we're going to stop these criminals. Where does that mentality come from? Uh, you know, I I don't get it. Um, well, the, the one thing that, that that comes to mind immediately about that is there just simply aren't enough police to police. They're just they're, they're think about how many people we have in this country alone. Think about I, mean, I don't know how often you drive, but get on the roads for any length of time. You see how many people speeding and and, and disobeying the traffic laws. I don't think it's just that. I think it's just we don't have the police to do the police work. There I aren't enough that, physical men to do the work. You know what I mean? I think that we need to take the Army Rangers and send them into the Southwest and eradicate and search and destroy every threat that's there. You know, and, and that's going to start tightening things up. And then on the border, you know, you need some kind of uh, electronics. I mean, there, we have all kinds of, of deterrents, electronic deterrents. There, there's a few other things. There's a few things we can do on, at the border that would make it better. Uh, first of all, you know, Trump didn't have a bad idea with the wall, but the wall is kind of, you know, an odd thing to have to maintain all the time. What would be better than than a wall? Army bases. We move I think army, that we move army and air force and, and 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 marine corps bases toward the board towards those borders. Build new ones. And have them so close together that there's you know there's a very little gap to get through. Who's who's gonna walk across our border when there's a, a secure military base there? 
they'd be arrested immediately, if not shot on the spot. You know what I mean? I, you know what? If we help Mexico, one with the cartels, and number two, uh, beefing up their southern border, that that's that's one of the biggest things is when they're getting through down there and they they trape through. Most of these people aren't Mexicans, you know. In fact, we can make deals with Mexico all day about having day workers, week workers, you know, as long as you know who they are, they're registered, they want to come in, they right. want to work, yeah. it's agriculture, whatever the hell they're going to do. I know what, most most people are okay with that. But it, it's the people coming over, they're coming from, they're coming from Africa, they're coming from India, they're coming from China, they're coming from all over the place, they're hopping ships, and they're jumping down there at Panama Canal, and they make their way up, you know. Yeah. So so there's the, the attraction is there. If you kill off that attraction, if they know they can't get in, then mm -hmm. then that's where it needs to be. And you let them know if you're found here illegally, we're going to send you right back home again. And then that's it. So and, you, you know, and after a while, they're going to stop coming. After a while, they, they say, OK, enough's enough. And then give them that pathway. You want to come to to the United States, serve time in the military, help us out, you know, and help yourself out and become an American, learn how to speak English and all this other stuff. These are the things that people should be able to do or, or even have to do to assimilate to, to the multicultures here in the United States of America. You know, they got their own culture, but you still have to assimilate to to American, the American. Yeah, yeah, and, and there needs to be a pathway, and I, and I, and I agree with you. I, almost every other country, you know, if I wanted to, like, join Israel as a citizen, all I have to do is join their – I mean, I'm probably too old now, but if I were to join their, their army or navy for two years – automatic citizenship so we don't offer that and i mean we we let other we let foreign people into our military that aren't u.s citizens but we don't give them a pathway unless they do something heroic in battle they don't get a pathway to citizenship and it, that should be a thing it's, it's something that we can actually look at but both democrats and the republicans don't want to look at that kind of solution the republicans want to re, you know enforce what laws are on the books the Democrats want to add new laws to ignore on the books. So take your pick who you want to, to win that fight. Neither one of them Republicans, are the Republicans have a lot of problems, and, and most of them stem from, from their having their heads up their asses. You know, They don't really understand how people are living even. Uh, and then uh, a lot of them are those establishment uh, politicians. You, know, you had a Trump who's anti-establishment. That's why they're all so afraid of him. You know? As, as I've seen it in my in my travels in my life, when something some entity fights against another so vigorously, you know they're afraid, you know they're panicked, you know, and, and yeah. otherwise they they wouldn't even be on their radar, they wouldn't even care to lie, to cheat, to do to steal, to do everything that these Democrats have done. It's damaged them, damaged their party, damaged everything they're about. They're up there smiling, taking credit for all kinds of stuff. This country is in financial shambles. The market's crashing. The market tanked the other day, tanked again today. You know, wow. at some point, you know, it, it's going to catch up. So then FedEx comes out with their, their report, you know, because they deliver stuff, man. They they know about commerce, and they have the, the right, right in your face, that kind of report. This is what people are purchasing, you know, people getting deliveries and whatever. And they have their, their financial reports. You know, they said it's bleak. It's dismal. It's horrible. People aren't spending. Yeah, because you don't have the money. Who has mm -hmm. the money to spend extra money right now? You know, it's too I put gas in my Jeep today. You know, that's crazy. Oh, the, the price of gas went down. No, it didn't. What, a few pennies? 
Yeah, pennies. I mean, it's like, I don't know, three ninety something ish. I can't see through the trees right now, but uh, I did the calculations when it was, uh, I think, four dollars and twenty four cents. Um, I had to look it up on Google how big my tank is. I have a Camry, twenty twenty one Camry, and it's a sixteen. No, sorry, fifteen point eight gallon. So I just call it a sixteen gallon tank. And to fill it all the way up was like six between sixty five and seventy five dollars. Yeah. To, to fill up you know, one, you know, mid sized sedan, seventy five dollars. That's ridiculous. You see Biden at the auto show sitting there in all these expensive electric cars that it costs a hundred thousand dollars. And oh, people should buy this one. You should buy this. I, I, really, really, you know, this dude doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. <laughs> That that people are suffering, poor people are getting poorer, the middle class is becoming poor. You know, it's it's a chain reaction. The only ones making money are his buddies, it seems like, and the people in that circle, the people on that level, they always make money. And, you know, exactly, but, and that's why they don't see the problem because they have the money to deal with the problem. Everyone else Christmas, doesn't. You, you want know? to see consumer spending tanking? You know, yeah. here here comes Christmas, and then there's you know what? I talk to a lot of people. The morale of the country is very low. They there is a lot of disparity going on. I've been poor before, so if times are tough, I know how to adjust myself, where I don't have to to really suffer or sacrifice anything, and I only have me to worry about, you know. So it's not like I've got mm-hmm. a string of people, but uh, but you know, if you're a family, you're a family man, and man, you lost your job, and you get another one that's only half half the pay, and. Uh, you know, the taxes keep going up, up, up. There's, there's no grace or whatever. People have kids that get tax tax deductions or whatever. But in real life, that, that extra five, six, seven hundred a month we have to pay because of this inflation, you know, that's what takes stealing. It's stealing the money out of honest working people's pockets. And that's what the goddamn politicians don't understand because they're not honest and they're not hardworking. They have no idea what it's like to run a business or do anything Trump does. But I mean, but he didn't, you know, he didn't start from scratch either, that dude. But I think that Trump talks to a lot of people like me, except he's a billionaire and I'm just some, some douche. <laughs> he, but he likes to hang out and get yeah. with these blue collar workers. And I think he listens to their gripes and how they're living. And when I see these interviews from the past, you, you know, the guy's centered on what's right and wrong. As as for representing people, and he has a case, but he's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy all day long. But I like that. And then you can you you could do a lot worse than having a crazy billionaire as your president, because nobody messes with him. There's no you know even Putin, who's nuts, looks at Trump like he's crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he he puts a cap on everybody, you know. And it just Reagan, in the same respect, he was thought of as, as equally insane. Or, or even did senile at certain points, but especially towards the end of his second term. But uh, you, you need that kind of a leader, and Biden's not like that. I mean, he's you can see how things have just got all untwisted with him. You know, I don't even think he knows where he is right now. He could be, you know, a sound asleep. He doesn't know where he's at. But, exactly. but uh, we got we had these two guys. Reagan was a good guy. People liked him a lot, and we got Trump. People don't really like Trump, but they like how the country was. I mean, I've talked to plenty of people who are, you know, Democrats who are like, you know, I, I didn't really care for Trump, but, you know, I, I don't like paying $4 for gas. There's a you lot know, it, of people it, saying that. It, it goes so deep because 
what they're crafting and what they're doing, and 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 they're also this Billy just put <clears throat> pushed through is a giveaway. You know, when Obama was in there, he he gave millions to these solar companies that all went bankrupt. You know, the the money went nowhere. He gave fifty million to one company, eighty million to another. All of them went bankrupt. The money went somewhere, obviously. Yeah, somebody so got their money. Money didn't turn into thin air and and just go poof. But but. You know, that's the Democrats. The, see, to me, the Democrats want to drive you down to your lowest possible level so so you can barely function. You're just alive, just enough to push buttons and work and vote. And then when they throw you a bone, you're appreciative of it. You know, they don't right. want the prosperity, which doesn't make any sense. Because if you want to collect a large money in taxes, you want your workforce working and having the best jobs they, they can do to make the most money they can so you can get the most money also, going. Also, you know? Michael, you also want them happy, very, very happy. That's why you see the more the trend of, of legalization of marijuana for both medical and or recreational. So you keep them happy and push down, you know, they're not they're not going to gripe as much. But in 19, we are griping. <laughs> I mean, in, in what was it, 20, uh, in 2020, right before COVID hit, January 2020, 93% yeah. of the people polled were said that they're happiest that they've been in this country. They wouldn't change a thing. 93% of people. Yeah. So it went from that to this. And there, there's a large reason. But you saw the Democrats battling Trump. He, he was an embattled president. You they're know, still they battling going, him. They haven't they, stopped. And they were battling him over, over fiction, over stuff that they created, over that yeah. report that Trump was in bed with the Russians and all these other things. And they harped on it, not just them, other media too, you know, worldwide media. I watched the BBC do the same thing. Sky News did these big reports on how Trump, they just found that that one guy, uh, Dechenko, whatever, he was a, a paid FBI informant. He was the one who supplied all this information for, hmm. for you know, for, for that uh, uh, dossier to begin with. You know, he's a Russian agent. So he's a Russian agent. He's got ties to the Russian military and, and also uh, their intelligence service, FSB. And then he was paid by the FBI for that time to be an informant against Trump. And he was lying the entire time. So we American tax dollars paid this Russian spy to give false information for years on Trump for the time that Trump was in there. People need to investigate all of this and hold people accountable. We'll never be able to hold our heads high as free people unless we hold people accountable for their actions, no matter who they are, who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. I've been seeing some Democratic uh, commercials for the, the governorship here in Pennsylvania. Oh. And and they're, they're flat out, they have these people flat out saying that Trump ordered the attack on January 6th to the, uh, on the, the Congress building, the Greg Gresham building. And it's, it's real. I, I just can't believe how insane it is. Number one, Number two, they have this guy. Oh, I forget his name now. Netterman or Nesbit. He's he's like the lieutenant governor right now. He he campaigns in a hoodie, so he looks like <laughs> a gangster thug. For one, number two, he likes to let criminals go, and number three, his main campaign thing is that he joined politics not for the politics, but to make sure his neighborhood was safe by letting murderers go. <laughs> well, this, they probably don't. They Dude's probably insane. don't live. They don't live in his neighborhood. It doesn't, you know. Until they're right. in his neighborhood, then, I, I then he's going to say get something. Into his, I couldn't get in his neighborhood if I stole his key card. There's a, a really high-end neighborhood in Greenwich Village, right? They just hired a whole bunch of uh, what are they? Uh, security, basically mercenaries. <laughs> like remember we were we were just talking about that, putting together a, 
a brute squad, you know. Right, right. But, yeah, a couple uh, of years ago. <laughs> they so they put together this 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 group of, of security, armed security, right? They're patrolling the neighborhood, the, the drugs and the people defecating in the streets and whatever. But the people, these people, they're not afraid of this armed security. They're not afraid of what what they've got going on. They'll, you know, first of all, you can't really do anything, even if you are armed security. You can't sit there and shoot people and think you can get away with it. You know, so what what are they going to do? They're only going to stoke these these criminals, and the criminals know what they can get away with. They know, and they have they they they're criminals. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, it's kind of their job. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Those streets belong to them. You know, yeah, and uh, that that's that's the sad part. So if you don't put them in jail and keep these criminals in jail, the only thing that's going to happen is, is that uh, you know you're just just going to really drive society down to the point where people aren't going to go out you know it's going to be like san francisco you know i was watching a report about the homeless and what they spend in san francisco per homeless one hundred one thousand dollars each they spend and you know to give them a tent by the way not even to have a year a year yeah and and it's it's amazing because most people don't make that so so if you paid people 101,000 they could have an apartment and they can do their thing and buy their they'd, food yeah, and they'd be making twice as much as I'm doing yeah it's it's they could <laughs> they'd be solvent <laughs> but isn't it crazy that we're for for the homeless people and they haven't solved the crisis and they're still in the streets and they're they're charging people thousands for tents for a tent that's worth 300 bucks and they're they're yeah. they're dishing them out you know they're they're not solving any problems whatsoever. They're just spending a ton of money, but that you know that money is not being spent on the homeless population. They're not they're not putting together homes and doing this, and doing that, right. and getting them off the streets and into drug rehab and all that. No, they're they're just doing a few freebies and they're taking the rest of the money and they're stealing it. Right, There's a lot of theft, a lot of open theft going on. Well, it's it's an industry. Uh, clearly, you know, look at look at the. Um, now this the numbers are probably different from when I looked them up, but uh, look at the look at the state and federal prison systems. These are pieces places that keep people alive in these small cells for years, sometimes decades at a time, and it's like thirty five to forty five thousand dollars per inmate per year. And then not only on top of that to keep them at cost of living, but there also is there's services that they have to provide. So there's like there's the catering services that that's billion dollar industry per year uh they've got the uniform services people that come in and take the the prisoners uniforms and, and steam clean them and, and you know make them even that's a billion dollar industry then you got people who bring in equipment whether it's you know uh uh workout equipment or you know outdoor equipment so that they have exercise billions of dollars a year spent on just keeping these essentially very bad people alive that's right. just as disgusting. That's and that's about what the average person makes. About thirty-five to forty-five thousand dollars a year. If you're a career criminal, you got a free house on me, buddy. I think we need to start outsourcing. I think that we can outsource to to places in in Africa, different countries. You know, like build prisons there and and you know populate Borrow them. Borrow some Russian gulags. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, take the criminals that don't have any visits, don't have any family. They just sit there doing nothing. And, and put them somewhere else. Where, what difference does it make where they are? You know, it just makes a difference that way you want to keep them alive, fine. Put them out in the Sahara Desert, man. Put them in a place where they can't hurt anybody. 
Minimum security. You can put them in, the, drop them in the middle of the desert. Minimum security. Barely have any guards. What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? How about prison ships? Put them out there, you know? Oh, no, it's inhuman. I keep hearing how it's inhuman. You know, all these things are inhuman. Uh, They're uh, living in they a basic, like, you know, ant hotel anyway. You know, roach motel kind of thing. What different? Yeah, exactly. Put them on the ocean. I would take the druggies. I would take all these guys fighting in the street. I would take all these homeless and build and build homeless towns in the mid in the Midwest and just just stick. You know, we have whole towns in the Midwest that are gone. You know, I mean, vacant because the industry collapsed, so people left. There's houses still hanging around, that type of thing. You know, for what they spend per person, you can do a hell of a lot for a lot less and and get the menace away from the city. You got to get these people away from the cities. And you have to, if you want to help them even with their drugs, you have to isolate them and, and, and help them in that way. But I don't think, you know, I'm of the mindset that you can't help people. I, I think that the ones who are, are habitually need help all the time are are just messed up people. And they're, they're beyond help, the yeah. And you need to put them in a facility so they can't hurt anybody. I look for, for you know, victimization. Who are they going to victimize next? You know, uh, and, and there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of them out there that do it. And men, men, women, whatever, they don't have. You got this chick the other day swinging around a machete in New York City. Her second machete attack. They arrested wow. her and they, they let her out again. And she hacked somebody else. You know, it's it's become, you know, I have friends in the city. They don't want to go out. I have a friend in Far Rockway, which is a dangerous area as it is. And I'm like, how? I mean, we used to hang out on the notorious drug block, Beach 15th Street. It was notorious back in the day. And I had friends that lived there, and I used to go there and visit them. And you should see the, the stuff that went on there, and how NYPD handled it, which they really didn't, you know. But they were, you know, what they they were uh, overwhelmed, I would say. And, and then a lot of the young cops that would come in, if you go to police academy and you score low, you're going to Far Rockaway or East New York, you know. That's where you're gonna be walking. So the first six months as as NYPD, you gotta walk a beat. So you're the young white cop from Long Island with a little young white friend from Long Island walking these streets where, where people rule those streets, you know, and just for instance, I was hanging out with a bunch of other dudes, you know, I was the only white guy there, you know, and there, we, there, there were cops. One time a cop pulled up and said, Hey, white guy, come here. You know, like, <laughs> like first he was like, Hey, I had my back towards the street. He was like, Hey, <laughs> Hey you. And I didn't turn around. Everybody starts laughing, you know, and he's like, hey, hey, you. I didn't turn around. He's like, hey, white guy. <laughs> when, he, when he said that, like, everyone started laughing their ass off. <laughs> so then I finally had to turn around. I was like, you mean me? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, you know, these guys, he was the N-word. These guys are the N-word. And, you know, they're, they're going to rob you, cheat you, steal from you or whatever. And I'm like, you have no idea that I said, these guys are my friends. You know, and they're lifelong friends. I still still hang out and talk to them. You know what I mean? Like the lifelong friends. And uh, the, the, but the cops, I've seen those same cops drive past, use the N word when my friend, uh, my friend's kids were out on the sidewalk during the day. The cop was driving by. He said, you know, as he he made that comment that out the window driving by. The kids heard that, and I would tell them that you know don't. I said all cops aren't like that, and all people aren't like that. I'm like, those guys are hateful. They're hateful people. But when they're in those neighborhoods and they see so much crime and they see so much uh, just madness, mad, I mean, like stuff you don't see in the neighborhoods they come from. They, they get this, this idea about people, right? But why is it like that? 
Why, why is it so bad in those neighborhoods? Uh, there's a solution, and I don't think anybody's ever tried to make it better. You know, because it's been a, it, th those areas that you're talking about in New York have been that way for a long, long time. Same with the Middle East. Middle East has been that way. It's just been a you know horrible you know war zone for decades and decades and decades. Uh, how do you fix that? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, the, the ghettos were designed for failure. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. When when, when you look at at what they put together, especially the the New York housing projects. You know, they're the worst cockroach, rat infested, bed bug infested, dangerous places. You you never want to go there day and night. And to say people live there with their children and all that. And, you know, you wonder, you know what, you wonder why the crime rate is so high. You wonder why, especially when, when you have people that think they're not going to get past the age of 21. You know, yeah. so, but you got concentrated victims in a very small location. It's, that's, that's yeah. what, that's what, that's why it thrives, the crime. So it's hard to get out of there. If you had to hop on a bus in Far Rockaway and get the hell out of there to get a job, JFK Airport's right next to it. And and, and you know how hard it is to get to, to get there. I mean, unless you take a taxi cab or, or, or whatever, but but to get the bus, it, it kind of goes the opposite direction. Or the one bus kind of just goes in a circle. You know, then the crackheads got together and they started putting the, together what they called the vans. And they bought these big extension vans. And for a dollar, they would drive people on, on a route because the buses, there was only like one or two buses. So even that wasn't good, you know, but it went to the welfare, it went to the supermarket, then back to their neighborhood, you know. There's no opportunity. And meanwhile, man, JFK, you know, you can get any kind of job at JFK. They're they're always hiring. There's always something. You you, you could never not get a job at, at John F. Kennedy Airport. You know? Yeah, it's basically like a small city within the city. There's so many people working there. There's, there's everything you could think of. Every time I knew somebody who was looking for a job, I'd say go to JFK close by and then everything's taken care of and they take care you know i mean but but the cities but think about jfk you got bedford stuyvesant right on the other side one of the most dangerous places in america bed stuy but people don't want to work they want to sit around you know and and play the game they don't want to work and uh another another situation where they want to keep people in you know so what do you what do you do you know there, there's not much you can do it's you yourself you know, I have friends that rose above that and, and they, they left, you know, and they, they had to leave to get a good job because there's no good jobs around there. Even if they took a, a taxi cab, my friend worked for Pizzeria Uno. He became an assistant manager, you know, which, which is, pays decent on Long Island. He had to take, you know, but it was a nice area and he had to take a taxi back to Far Rockaway, you know, and that was just something that he had to do because you don't have those jobs around there. So, you know, income, if people make a decent living, they they can hold their head higher. If someone's always poor and they never have any money, that that changes their whole perception. You know, yeah. makes them angry. And, and nobody's ever happy when they're broke. Nobody. Yeah. And I, I think that's a relative term. I think people can be happy when they're broke. They just they're not as happy when they're not broke. You know. I don't so think you still, I mean, no matter how you look at it, your situation is your situation. No matter how much it sucks. You got to try to find some happiness out of that, or you're just going to go insane. If you're broke and you got bills and there's things on the line and things are going to be shut off and all the stuff you got to go through, and then more keep pop, then something happens. Oh, something happened to your car. That's $1,000. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, man, something happened there or whatever. You know what? It's just the way it is. And and it's hard. It makes life hard for people to live. So then 
when politicians get up there on their soapbox denouncing hardworking people, the MAGA, MAGA extremists, you know. I mean, what's what I know a lot of Trump people, you know, but I don't know any MAGA extremists. Uh, uh, you know, I do know liberal extremists, though. Well, so let's look at the let's look at the results. Have the MAGA extremists burned down police stations? Have they looted stores? Have they have they raped and killed people in the streets? You know, I mean, uh, uh, so it, it really comes down to what type of people you are and, and what you're willing to put up with, and also what you want for your society. You know, you know the people that live in those neighborhoods with high crime—they don't want crime. They don't want that. This is what they chose. But no one's looking to help them. The cops look at them like they're they're enemies too. Well, I don't think it's just that. Like I said earlier, I think there's also there's a there's a there's a population problem, and and not just with the people, but I mean with the police. You know, uh, I was thinking about this for a long, long time. You know, we we don't have anything like the autobahn, and you know, something good that the president might be able to do if they were able to get it across the whole. Uh, diversity of the Republicans and Democrats is you, you do a a countrywide uh, as straight as possible highway, and then on that highway it's going to go across several states. So you can't have you know Maryland going into Virginia and vice versa violating each other's laws. So you'd have to have a national police force, highway patrol force. So there's millions and millions of jobs you could have, but you still there just you wouldn't have enough population of people to populate. The police jobs to police all of the people. There are just way too many of us. Uh, there's there's got to be some sort of better cure to crime than a police force. And you know, whether those, it's those are honest people who are driving down the road, you know. I mean, like I've been Not on the always. I mean, if you, if you drive, I mean, I don't get on the highway, but for like you know two miles, three miles to go from home to work and vice versa. And people, it's it's it's. 65 miles an hour people go 75 but most people go 80 and that's that's where people get killed if everyone is doing that that's one thing but there are people that get on the highway at 25 30 miles an hour and then they try to merge with these 80 mile an hour idiots uh and there's actions all there's just not enough police force to police the amount of crime that's going on in this nation alone and probably worldwide but it you doesn't matter whether it's in the inner city, whether it's in you know the bad, bad part of the city, whether it's on the highway, whether it's on back roads. There just simply aren't enough law enforcement officers to enforce the laws that everybody's breaking. There's I break them, you break them, everybody breaks them. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's we're all criminals if you look at it. There's one thing America's got that, that Europe doesn't have is Fords. You know what I mean? So if you could have your autobahn, but the Fords would mess it up because Fords are always falling apart. You need cars that are able to drive consistently you'd, you'd at 80 put, miles Yeah, you have to put European vehicles in the police forces, BMWs and, you know. When I just drove vehicles. across the country a couple of years ago, I was going through Utah and the speed limit's 80, you know, yeah. cut, cutting through there. But, but which, which people want to go 90, they want to go 100, and you have your cops out there. They also have, you know... Uh, all over the country. I mean, different states have uh, different laws, but a lot of them have the speed cams, you know, so they're going to catch you, send you the ticket, the mail, and that type of stuff. But the one thing when I was, I think I was in Provo, and which is outside of Salt Lake City, and then uh, I decided not to go through Salt Lake, but but cut east and then head up, uh, you know, head up to, to like Wyoming, in that area. I, uh, 
you know, at 80 miles an hour, and the trucks want to go 80, used to be trucks weren't allowed to, to go the same speed as cars. If cars were going 65, trucks had to do 55. It was that type yeah. of thing. But that doesn't, nobody cares about any of that anymore, apparently, because when you're on this road, it, it twists and turns through all these canyons, it's still at 80 miles an hour. And then you have really tight, the, the lanes get tight because they had to, you know, blast through there to begin with. So it's not such a wide area to work with. You've got track to trailers hitting, getting hit with the wind, almost blowing into you. Man, we watched this one guy who was ahead of us who just in Arizona getting blown from one lane to the other. If you were going past him, you would have been hit because he was just blown from one lane to the other head because he was going too fast. He was going like 75 miles an hour in high winds. And you have a lot of those idiots that are out there that don't understand that oh, yeah. you know, that you got to slow down. But uh, so I don't like the highways, man, like like the big interstates, because I feel like they're not like the oil bond. Had, uh, you know, the turns are banked. So so you don't have to worry about flying off the road, you know, and right. uh, and, all, and all those cars are, are made. European cars are more made to go that speed and, and maintain the speed without an issue. In America, man, there's a lot of shit boxes out there. <laughs> you know, well, a lot of people that you, you ought to you ought to check out my highways. It's, it's actually better than even that. So I agree with you. I don't, there's no reason, except for in the slower situations, that should uh, you know a 53 foot box trailer being towed along by a 30,000 pound machine mm. should be going 60, 70, 80 miles an hour with passenger cars in the same area and tandem. Tandem and triple trailers. Yeah, yeah those two. There's yeah, those all of that should they should, they should not merge. So my, my highway would be like this: you'd have three lanes on for each direction on uh, on either side, and then the first lane is going to have like a minimum you have to go. Like in the autobahn, you have to go like 45 miles an hour. They give you a ticket. They don't care how fast you go. There's no ticket for speed. But there's a ticket for going. It's supposed too to slow. be like that in, on most interstates is 45. Right. Yeah. Is the but, minimum. but also on every exit, every entrance and exit ramp, it should say attain this. So you're getting on the highway, whatever the speed limit is at that at that uh, junction. It should say attain this speed now as you get on the highway. So you don't there's no miscommunication when you get off the highway. It should say attain 35 miles an hour now, which would be like you know the local speed limit. But so you got three lanes. You got 55, you know 45 to 55 lane, a 55 to 65 lane, and a 75 to uh, 85 lane. Then in, in underneath uh, a two tier jersey wall you have only trucks two lanes of trucks both directions you know, like you pick up not not pickup trucks but you know freight trucks then you have a raised deck which is a toll road that only sports cars can get on and like the minimum is like 90 miles an hour and you have to go at least 90 but you pay to get on you pay to get off so the further well, you go the more that? you pay who's, who's gonna pay Who's gonna pay for the raised road for for people with really slick cars, man? That can get the people up with there. the slick cars are gonna pay for it to get on that. You have to pay to get on that ramp. So, but you can't get on with a sedan. You can't get on with an SUV. You know, so there'd be there'd have to have like you know either checkpoints or manned booths. So like the wrong cars don't get on there. But you know, well, I mean, my SUV, sports I, cars I, would be, what, who, who wants who who else in this country would want to do that? If you had an exotic sports car, where do you go to drive it? My my Jeep is a short racetrack or you drive exotic, illegally. Exotic right? sports cars. I got a Hemi, man. <laughs> so I, I belong it's, on that park. That exotic, but <laughs> you know what? My 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 Jeep top ended at 193 on the Autobahn when they were testing those things. So wow. you know that's that's a fast Jeep. I, when I first got it, 
I, you know, I took it in to get tires and whatever. I'm like, just told the guy, be careful with it. You know, it, it'll jump on you. You know what I mean? Like he gets in and the thing was like, whoa, you know, he's like, oh my God. He's like, what the hell? He looked at the car, walked around. He's like, they put Hemi in a Jeep. And I'm like, you know, they did. <laughs> but you know what? You, you see now, but everybody's got their own speed. They like to go. I like to see things. So when you're traveling, if you have the time, you can take state routes, which aren't usually more than 55. If they're going through the deep country, they're like 65, but they're not the heavy truck routes. So you're not playing push and pull with tractor trailers all the time. Those guys are out there working. They yeah. You keep the left lane open because that's the hammer lane. That's the one that they're going to pass people on. Uh, then you get the people in the hammer lane going 45, 50, and, or, they, or they, they get mad because, uh, you know, you get close to them. They break check you. People like that, that that are kind of just a menace to the highway. But mm -hmm. it comes down to individuals and how they drive and their perception. And you know, they're, they're like when I was when I was driving from upstate down, you know, when my ex lived on Long Island, and I go down to see her three times a week, by the way, which is a hell of, hell of a ride. And then you drive in the four hours to get to the city anyway. Then you hit three hours of volume traffic just just to go a few miles. You know, you're and that's the worst traffic. You're already tired from the ride. You've already been the four hours. You kind of just want to be done. And then here's this three hours, and you're grinding with other cars. And they're they're cutting you off with inches to spare. They don't care if they hit you. And, you know, they're not going to go anywhere. They think that your mm -hmm. lane's moving faster. You know how it goes with traffic like that. Uh, and it's the worst possible thing. But but who does anything about it? You know, who, who streams line these traffic lanes? Who gets the traffic? Most of it was because of, of the tolls. So. You know, yeah. that's where everybody backs up and you have this the stream of cars and it, it, it comes down to the toll operator. Now they can charge you automatically. They capture your license plates and all that stuff, you know. But uh, it, it it's not fair to the consumer, to the average person. They're not looking to make laws fair. In New York State, they want to put limiters on people's cars so they can't go more than the speed limit. So, so what if you need to go more than the speed limit? What if there's an emergency? What if you're some woman escaping yeah, somebody or whatever the hell you are? You, or you have to speed up to avoid people that are already in a collision, you know? I look at it this way. I'm, I'm already looking at the classic car law, which is beyond emissions. It's beyond mileage. It's beyond it. They just do the 12-point safety inspection. I'll go out and buy myself a 1969 Camaro with a big 427 L88 for 35 grand. Brand new, brand new. You know what? Brand, brand new refurbished, man. I, I watch these, these car auctions all the time. And I'm like, it's, it's crazy what these beautiful cars are going for. And Yeah, and, but do you know how much it probably cost originally? Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm talking about, about $4,000. So, yeah. <laughs> but if you want to go out and buy a, a really nice car, you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay yeah. fifty, sixty thousand, maybe more. Uh, the better, you know what? The range I was looking at was eighty thousand dollars. Like I can't afford that. But but to get an older, like classic car as a daily driver, right? You put your modern electronics in there and stuff, but you don't have a computer telling you what's going on. You know mm -hmm. what? There's nothing wrong with that, man. So whatever rules they make, there's always a way to get around those rules. And uh, they want to make people use electric cars. I was just reading an article on how this guy has the truck, the Lightning, the Ford, the Ford Lightning. He towed his boat 57 miles on a full charge, and, and that was it. <laughs> the thing died out on him. Wow. 57 <laughs> miles? It's supposed to get 350, but towing his boat. So, so, and wait till, wait till they, they use those things in the winter. 
you know, or, or I mean, like, or the, he- the heavy summer. You know, batteries don't like heat and they don't like the cold. They don't like anything. Batteries, do they? Um, I think they work more efficiently when they're cold, but when they get too cold, they cease functioning correctly. A lot of the mileage is overblown, what they say these cars can do. I, I would half it. If they say 300, say maybe 150 if you're lucky. And, uh, and it depends on, on all kinds of conditions. But but so there's one guy that had to replace his battery in his Tesla. He couldn't, got locked out, couldn't do anything. The battery died. 27000 bucks he had to pay to, wow. for a car. I, I mean, that's, that's like the, the quarter of the value what he paid for the car. You know? Yeah. So. But 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 the, but the problem with these 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 electric battery cars is they unless they have the hybrid gas engine to back them up, the the battery only goes less than four hundred miles. My yeah. my car does like four hundred fifty eight on one tank of gas, and I don't have to search for a, a special plug. And and you can fill up in in five minutes. It does it doesn't Usually. take yeah. eight hours to charge your your vehicle. These people no. take some eight hours. So so. They're pushing people into the electric car, but the electric cars aren't aren't they're not ready yet. They're not anywhere near not for travel. Anymore. I mean, for like short distances, yeah. Go to the grocery store, pick up the kids from school, drop them off at the pool, whatever. But you want to, yeah. if you're a traveling salesman, forget about it. No, I mean you're done after four hours or four hundred miles. How far yeah, do you, you get four hundred miles? It's like from one city to the next. Look at tractor trailers. What are they gonna do about that? <laughs> you know, if you want. I mean, yeah. if you want offenders when it come, comes to diesel and, and that time. These machines are already weigh, you know, a full a full truck with a 53-foot box trailer on it weighs somewhere on the order of like 90 to 100,000 pounds. Yep. You know, and when what are you, you gonna put do? batteries in that, it's gonna, that's going to double or triple that, that weight. But it's just funny how the government is pushing people. You, know, you go go and buy an electric car. You know, yeah. Do you have a hundred thousand? You have ninety thousand. And a lot of these car companies, the dealerships don't want them. You know, Ford Ford is is in a battle with their dealerships because they don't want them. You know, there there's a whole thing going on there. There's no tax credit this year if you buy an electric car. You know, they're going to give one next year. So so I don't know. To me, it's a bunch of BS. It really is. You know, yeah. You need alternate form, and hydrogen is a good good example of that. But but the electric, it, it creates a bigger carbon footprint. Then the life, they said, then the life of a Land Rover, that one battery, just using it, just creating the battery, right? And the batteries get used, they got to go. You know, batteries, you know, not not for long. You're at your half life on the battery, you know, yeah, just like no. your, your cell phone. It's, it's great in the beginning, you know, and it stays charged for a couple of days or whatever, maybe a day. At, towards the end, you're you're charging it every, you know, four, three, four, five times a day. Or, or you can't unplug it from a charger or for failing, you know, for fear it will explode on you, you know? I mean, yep. I've had ones that did, you couldn't unplug it or it would turn itself off within minutes. I just watched a lithium battery uh, on a bicycle go up in flames, some delivery guy that was in the city, you know? And the thing just exploded. And you should have seen the thing. Lithium burns like nobody's business, man. If yeah. if you take a, a nail and you put it right through a lithium battery, it'll it'll blow, it'll go. And, and I, I really I have a hard time just the fact they allow them on airplanes, you know, because uh yeah, but they just, tell you to turn them off before you take off, but nobody the battery, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the battery itself, the lithium battery, yeah. the battery that or the battery in, in a laptop, you know, uh they're dangerous, they're very dangerous. Lithium is a dangerous substance, but but to mine it's dangerous, the cobalt getting that is dangerous. They're using children in the mines, but then you hear these politicians buy an electric car and whatever, but they're not thinking 
where the technology comes from and what it actually does and the carbon footprint that it creates. Well, uh, and it, the, the, the process is the, 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 just the making the batteries itself. The lithium goes through like eight different countries before it gets to China for refinement. Then it goes from China to Japan to be put in a battery, then back to China for distribution. I mean, it's, it's, by the time it's get, it gets to the car, it's been in 15, it's been over, it's been to more countries than I've been to. So what about steam powered? How about that, man? We go back to that. They see steam powered vehicles. I mean, it, it seemed to run the West. I mean, the, the, how fast did those choo-choo trains go? For 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour? So I'm talking about nuclear. <laughs> Like, well, you have a, kind of a little steam, tiny though. reactor in your car. You know what I mean? Like a little tiny, like the size of a cup holder. A little, maybe even smaller. There's no than chance that. of it, like you know, irradiating me. Sure, put it in my car. I'd, you know, the fifty thousand years worth of energy. Hell yeah! <laughs> if it's contained, I don't think there's no problem. Yeah, they allow people to go back. They can't the explode and you know get me just. <laughs> Radiated. I don't want that. <laughs> the Japanese government told people they can go back to their homes in Fukushima. So here's a place that's got radioactive pigs, and they they've been breeding. And when they have baby pigs, they're also radioactive. This whole all these villages have these animals running around that are radioactive. Oh, you can go back to your homes now. It's okay. It's not okay that the radiation's got a half life of five thousand years. At least probably more like twenty thousand years. <clears throat> no, it's got a half life of five thousand years. That, really? that's that's this type that's this type of stuff and and you say you know that that means in five thousand years it'll start to dissipate so yeah it'll, really, be, it'll be half as powerful and then another five thousand yep. years and another five thousand just like just like the battery <laughs> everything's got its half life and starts to dwindle down so but they're allowing people to go back there the yakuza was taking the homeless people and making them work in that plant in Fukushima to clean things up, and they kept dying. You know, they kept getting radiation. Oh well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, they they lost thousands of people. I understand. You don't see that in the news, do you? You don't you don't yeah. see that being broadcast, and the amount of radiation that's in the Pacific now because of that plant. So so, but they built a nuclear power plant on a fault line. You know, yeah. You like what the hell is wrong with them? You know these these are the technological wizards. And like, let's let's build on a fault on the ocean on the fault line, you know. Like you're, you're begging for something to happen. You're begging for, for right because how are you going to know about a, a deep sea uh, um, earthquake until after you know you don't you won't know until the the tidal wave hits. That's really it, you know. You and know? Uh, now they have There's no warning. I mean, <laughs> they've got Godzilla. You know, sci-fi movies always come true, man. That's been my note. Yeah. <laughs> You know, on my last show on Discovery Paranormal, I talked about uh, the CIA report uh, about Operation Stargate, and it was you know, the, the declassified report. They declassified a lot of stuff, which is very interesting. And it's interesting that the psychics that they use, these psychic mediums to map out Mars and all this other stuff and, you know, engage in warfare, basically psychic warfare with, with Soviets, all were Scientologists. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. It is peculiar. Those are some strange people. Tom Cruise. Yes. Like I said, but those I, are some strange people. You know, I, but I kind of like him. You know what I mean? I, I don't know him, <laughs> but, but I kind of like him. I boycotted his movies since he, he made the first Mission Impossible movie. Really? Um, absolutely. Yeah, I have not watched one of his movies since that. Uh, my dad and I were huge, huge fans of the show. Uh, we dun, watch it dun, all the time. Dun, 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 right. Dun, 
And so I was such a huge fan of the show, even as a little game, because I was only, you know, four, five, six, whenever it was on. Um, I was watching uh, Law and Order, the first Law and Order TV show, and they have the guy who plays the DA, the old guy, the balding head. And the whole time I'm watching this series, in like six, seven years, I'm like, I know this guy, I know this guy, I know this guy. I just can't place where I know this guy from. Well, he was the first guy in charge of the Mission Impossible force on Mission Impossible. But, you know, it's another story. In any event, my dad and I, and and a lot of the actors for the the Mission Impossible TV show, uh, we went and saw that movie. And afterwards, we were like, that's nothing like the show at all. He made the good guys all bad guys. So I've been boycotting him ever since then. I don't like the dude. You know, you know what, man? <clears throat> the remakes always suck. There's no none of them ever. Willy Wonka remake with Johnny Depp. Oh my god! Although it was closer to the actual book, nobody liked it. Didn't need to happen. You can't mess with classics, you know. And sequels mm-hmm. usually stink too. I mean, you know, I'm watching like like you know when you're subscribed to these cable channels or whatever, they, they got a whole bunch of movies on that you've never heard of, and you know they're oh all usually is bad. Yes. You know, you know, and but then there's sequels and sequels and sequels to these movies, and you're like, oh my god, they they made another one. <laughs> like, what were they thinking? You know, money laundering. I think a lot of it's just money laundering. They they make these movies so they can they can you know Hollywood is big in the sex industry, is big in the drug the drug industry. You know, yeah. uh, illegal drugs. It, it's it's a huge deal. So drug trafficking, sex trafficking. I I think the money they make from that. That's why they make these bloated movies and, and they blow up the budget. It's it's uh it's laundering, right? Seems well, like. no, no. I'm, I'm I'm quite certain I know what the problem with that is. It now, if you look at some of these schlocky movies you're talking about, you'll find ones with uh unusually familiar plots and storylines. Like they've got there's another Thor movie out there with this really horrible Swedish actor. Um and I, I forget what it's called. It's like Thor, the amazing Thor, Thor Almighty, something like that. And it's just, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. There's there's one that's like a Transformers version out there. There's one that's, a, there's another, like a Tolkien-esque one with the guy who played Teal'c from Stargate. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of that. It's had It's got a couple different movie titles. But he like has these hobbits that he helps go find on a quest and fight, you know, giantized baby lizards. It's it. They do this because they want to test the audiences and the special effects. So some of these movies came out before the actual movie so that they could greenlight the actual good movie. So think of them as kind of like uh, the the 1.0 version. <laughs> the first and I'm try. the worst, worst possible person to watch a movie with is me because I can't keep my mouth shut for the most part. And then I, I can't watch any movies with Brad Pitt, Adam Sandler. Like yeah. I have a, I have a, I have a list of people that I, I can't, I just can't watch them. I don't want to watch them. Adam Sandler w- was okay in the beginning as the, as the B actor, like the extra guy on the scene. And when he became like the guy in every movie, and he's the same in every movie. You know, like there's no, there's no, like Johnny Depp is a great actor. I will give him a, a lot of credit mm-hmm. because. He he's gets got some, no, no pun intended. He's got some depth. <laughs> he, I, when I was listening to him being interviewed about uh, Bob Cratchit, right? That that whole headless horseman, that type. I haven't seen the movie, but but he said that he channeled this twelve-year-old girl as Bob Cratchit. Like he seemed that type of character, and that's the way he acted in his head. You know, really cool, man. Like like to, to think how 
the, the, the scissor hands and all these different things. But, but Adam Sandler is always Adam Sandler. He's the same guy. And I think we need a 20 year yeah. moratorium. It's just 20 years without Adam Sandler. Just, just get it out there. You know, if people want DVDs, let them go get it. Or they want to buy it, let them do it. But because <laughs> a lot of these movies I pay for are those movies. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. But, but you know what's hard to find? Uh, I, I don't like violent movies. I don't like bloody movies. I like old horror. That's always fun. But but it, it's hard to find a, a movie that makes you feel decently when you're when you're over when you're done watching it. You want to walk away with like, okay, I, you know, I don't feel terrible inside, you know. But these yeah. like shooting and and the biggest Hollywood names that are denouncing violence are the guys in these movies doing the violence. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's so always it's just, been that way. It's um, double speak, isn't it? Double speak. That's yeah. when you know they say something and they do something else, or they they you yeah. are what you do. So it's I don't like one thing and do something different. Absolutely, There's a, George Carlin actually talked about that. But yeah, that's exactly what that is. I watched this movie. I don't even know why the hell I watched it. I, I should have known better. I should have known better. Just it had that that chick Sandra Bullock. Any Sandra Bullock movie is going to be uh, a lot of emotional. Uh, drama, verbal diarrhea. That's what I call it. Really, that's what it's a <laughs> useless speech. I say it's verbal diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> it was like called the Lost City, and it seemed kind of cool for a minute. It had Brad Pitt. He was like, and I'm like, oh, am I watching a movie with Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock? What the hell is wrong with me? The movie started off, and then it just became this whole gentrification movie on how women are strong and men are weak, and and the main character was this dude. Who was following Sandra Bullock around through the jungle, saving her life all the time, or whatever, was this big blue pill guy that is, you know, they're just not realistic. And, and like you said, Thor, I know they're trying to make it. Didn't they make one with a female? When I read that, um, well, the, the comics they actually turned Thor into a female and called him Thora. In the Thor. latest movie, um, there is a, a female Thor, but they don't call her Thora. So, what if you're getting down with Thora and and you have to make sure that she's Thora in that moment, not Thor. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you don't want to yeah. do some hammering. You don't want to get hammered. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm watching all these, these female act. They're trying to push women. They're trying to say women are stronger stronger than men. That, that's what I see from commercials. That's what I see see from movies. And, and I watched this, this one little clip that, uh, that kind of passed by me on YouTube. This girl who says she's a martial artist. And then she had all these big dudes, like dudes my size, like six foot five, you know, like these big guys, these muscled up dudes coming at her. And she's like, you know, hitting one, hitting another, doing all these things. So it's play acting, though. You know what I mean? She wasn't really hitting them. And I'm like, does this 90 pound girl really think that she's going to go up against some muscled up 300 pound dude and 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 beat him? Like, like especially six of them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I know a lot of martial artists, including myself. Who could not going to go up against six people? You know, yeah. even two it can, can be challenging. Yeah. Even one can be challenging because you don't know enough. what the person's yeah. capable of. You don't know what they've got. <laughs> Shit, they could pull out a knife very easily and surprise you. And unless yeah. you know, I know guys, I could take a knife away. I'm like, unless you've been in that situation, don't say it. Don't say it. I've had knives drawn on me, guns drawn on me. My mouth got me out of those things. It wasn't anything else, you know, because you get cut very easily. You know, I mean, God, but, but, but why, but why do it? Why sensationalize one 
sensationalizing because martial arts is not about violence. So why sensationalize something like violence, you know? And number two, why lie? Why lie? And and say, because because you know, men like in commercials are men get put down, you know, made fun of. You know, they're 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 the utility, basically. You're your utility that somebody uses until they can't use you anymore, then you're mm-hmm. discarded, you know, and, and that's what that instead of the being you remember uh, happy days. I'm gonna reference happy days. Yes. Great the, show. the dad, Tom Bosley, the father, right? He uh, he was smooth. He was cool. He was a dad. He wasn't trying to be the kids' friends. He wasn't doing any of that. He was a little yeah. step back. <laughs> Even the Fonz made him nervous. You know what I mean? And, and but you know it was cool. He was the one that they respected. And and the mom had her job. The dad had his job. Nobody made fun of him. Nobody put him down. It was like look at the Bundys. You know, like like married with children. You know. Right how they kind of that was like kind of the beginning of ridiculing like make making these guys into these complete losers even though they're the ones who go out and make the money for the family and, and keep people together right you know and i i think that you know if you grow up and you, and you watch enough of this especially for for you know my mom was single mom she didn't talk trash about men or anything like that but there's a lot of single moms that will and that do and they talk trash about their ex He's no good, and he's this, and he's that because they're not together again. But man, but then you see girls on Facebook that that are pregnant, looking for a date, you know. So was it? So what, does it come down to uh, morals, having respect for yourself, and not being out there like that, you know? So I don't know, man. I, I live in a different era. <laughs> yeah, no, it, we definitely. This is definitely way different than. I mean, I remember back in the 60s, and I was only in the 60s for a couple of years, but the colors were different. I don't know if you remember that that far back, but the color of the planet was different 50 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, the colors were more vibrant. The grass I was only was six thinner. 50 huh? years ago. I was only six 50 years ago. Me too. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't remember what the earth looked like. <laughs> I remember, though, the colors back then being way brighter than they are today. You know, like the, what all the, the natural colors, you know, not like buildings and stuff, like right. grass and flowers and stuff. They were just, it, the colors were more vibrant. Now everything is like dull and gray and has this, this wash over it. I'm going to prescribe you uh, an eighth of marijuana <laughs> and send, send, send you out there into nature. <laughs> How's that, man? <laughs> yes. That will work. Send me out into nature with some mother nature. Pass the duchy to the left-hand side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of duchy, you know, on my Red Pill News show last night, I was talking about King Charles and how, you know, they said King Charles cares about people and He'll pay the tax and all that because, you know, there's no tax on, on everything he's inheriting. There's a 40 percent uh, inheritance tax if you're British. So, yeah. you know, you so that that's you or me. If you're there, that's right. what you're paying. Right. But not for the king. He, he changed it for himself a long time ago. So he's got I was reading the list of the stuff that he owns aside from inheriting his mother's money. But the Duchy of Cornwall and it, they, they own so much. They own the cricket, the big cricket field. They own. Uh, they own an apartment complex area that's bigger than Chicago that they make millions of dollars, uh, hundreds of millions per year. He owns four major royal, you know, the, these, uh, I'll call them infestations, <laughs> four major royal holdings where they take all this money in, and he had to pay no tax on that money, nothing. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it's funny how he, now he's passing everything over to his son, William, be, so he can avoid paying the tax as king, so he doesn't have to 
you know, say, oh, I'll, I'll pay. Like the queen paid some tax, they said, that was uh, her, her discretion. Nobody knew what it was, but a lot of people said it was nothing, you know, like, like a quarter, yeah. basically, you know, that type of thing. But so what do you think about King Charles? What do you think about it? the queen died and all this stuff going on? It was kind of the clear blue sky. I never really, I, you know, I don't understand America's fascination with the royal family at all. I, they're not our leaders. Uh, whenever one of them, you know, trips and falls on the street, there's like, you know, hours and hours of uh, just schlock documentaries about them. I, I to honestly don't care, to be honest with you, Michael. I don't care about the royal family at all. I don't think they're the, the best, nicest people. Uh, but I haven't met them. But well, the I one just, thing, one thing for I, sure. I, I, I think <clears throat> having a king and a queen, it's kind of a silly thing. I just, I, the, the monarchy, especially their attachment to British colonialism and, and all the people yeah, that suffered I, under, under that. And, you know, the fact that they kind of just, they, they take money, but they don't give it. And, they don't, and then the fact that they can rule a country without any kind of due process. And it's just because so, of so the, blood or the, the line the, of the lineage, how it falls to whoever dies next, the next person in line goes. You know. It's, so now the, the billions, the billions would it be that he's not paying in taxes. Don't you think that would benefit the people in the UK? I mean, their, their NHS yeah. is falling apart. Their health, whole health system is falling apart, you know? And this guy's doing that. But then, you know, you have a lot of just... just I don't, I don't I don't like royals so I mean there's no there's no guessing there when it comes to that I think they're all useless and uh, I don't feel bad didn't feel bad for the queen you know she died of covid-19 they're they're not reporting that nobody nobody's saying that I know the timeline she just got covid not that long ago and then she was in the entire time she she ended up with long covid and then she died of it you know <clears throat> but they're not saying that they're not getting into that I don't know why uh, it'd be interesting to say uh, anyway, but you know, yeah. she was old and, and, you know, 94 years old, it's hard to get hit with COVID. I know a lot of people younger than that, that died from COVID-19. So, but it's just, you know, he's, he's such a dick Charles is, you know, and he, he just yeah, I, is, I don't think he's a good person. They, they can't even quantify what they own because they have offshore accounts. They have holdings around the world. It's the Royal family. So, so they're embedded you know, uh, and he's not just like some rich CEO either, because he could take someone's head off with a sword legally. You know, he they don't have any rights in England. You know, they don't have free speech. That they they, yeah. they they can get arrested for saying I, I don't like the king and that type. So so I don't know. It's an interesting situation. I have a lot of friends in the UK. They're great people. I, I find them to be uh, very subdued. Especially one, I love the girl, and she's like, but the queen mom was good and she had a good heart. And I'm like, you're missing the point. And and what what was good about her? What did she do? I mean, even Charles has this big uh, charity that just recently was exposed that all the money they were taking in didn't go to the charitable uh, causes. It was just kind of oh, kept it in. Yep. And then the the some Emir in Qatar gave them bags bags full of cash. You know, so so you know, bag shopping bags full of cash. I, I lead a, a horrible life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking in shopping bags full of cash. I just want to see one of those Emir shopping bags full of cash. You know what I mean? But these people live on, on an unrealistic level to most of us because we're just, you know what? There's no thing that would enslave people more than debt. And you yeah, have those bills. Absolutely. You have those debt. You want to be able to eat and you want to be able to live. So you're on someone's leash, and that's just the way it is, unless you could truly work your way around things and be free. 
know, well, it's free. in this country alone, if you want to you know, buy your own house, you can't unless you have good credit. You, you just simply can't. Right. Uh, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, the the the, the rigmarole I had to go through to get my house was a pain in the butt. I'm like, I, I can understand why people hate buying and selling a house. It's to, to it's get a, a job. Just to get a job, a job. They, they want you to have a drug test. They want you to have a, a credit check. You know what? And and the background check. So the background check, you're like, okay, you know, they want to know who they're hiring. The drug test, I think, is if if you suspect somebody, that's one thing. <clears throat> but just to say, to get this job, you we're not going to trust you. We want you to take this drug test. You know, I think that's wrong. You know, I mean, uh, I agree. And, and then a credit check. You know, it's none of their business what your credit is. None, 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 none. For a job, no. To get to buy yeah. a house, I can see why. And I don't. I, I, I mean, I know why they do it, but it's right but not a job and and also uh insurance companies the car insurance is using credit checks now to to judge what you should pay every month you know so so what does that have to do what does my driving record have to do with my credit record maybe i got the worst credit in the world but i'm the greatest driver in the world one thing has nothing to do with the other you know maybe you have great credit but you're a horrible driver right one thing has nothing to do with the other but these are just little ways that they, they can steal it's a way to steal right yeah. The poorest people pay the most for stuff. Right? Then they buy inferior products, which break faster. We know mm-hmm. fills up landfills because they can't afford the good stuff, right? But so what does King Charles need with all those extra hundreds of millions in taxes he would be paying per year? What does he need from that money? What what I mean, if he's the he was a prince, now he's the king. Those are his people. They're his subjects. You know, wouldn't you want your people to have that money? Well, yeah. I mean, a good guy would. Right. A good queen would, too. A good good woman would want that. But that that's the royal thing. They don't need them. They're, they're albatrosses. And and if, if that was private industry that owned the cricket field and, and those apartments and all that, they'd be paying taxes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If, they, if, 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 it would have, if it had been, say, Trump, for example, who took over the kingship, he'd be paying that 40% tax. Yeah, Trump. Trump paid his taxes, right? He's got his Trump hotels and all that, and yeah. you know he was very careful about that. Every time they said they're going to come out with his tax report, and you know when they remember uh, Rachel Madcow, she was always on that. Like you know we have Trump's tax reports tonight on the show. You know they don't, they didn't even understand what they were talking about, right? And you could not like Trump. I had a a, a great aunt that was like that. She wasn't great, my my grandmother's sister. <laughs> That's right. right she was right. not great. She had the nastiest. My aunt Eva. She was. She was. Na- you remember that movie uh, with Chevy Chase, uh, Vacation, right? The first Vacation, and Edna. Remember Aunt yeah, Edna? Yeah, Edna. Yeah. <laughs> that was Aunt Eva. You know what I mean? They had the same type of anger, same err, you know, and never say something nice. And she would. And if you hurt your feelings, and you'd sit there and cry, she was like, "Well, I'm just telling the truth." so so people don't like people like that you know people try to stay away from people like that because they're not nice people and trump is a guy like that but but i think he's trying to be funny more moreover but i mean when i listen to him he's not wrong he's not wrong you know so so uh, i can't and when it comes down to voting when you have the sitting president say if you vote for this person you're the enemy that's what I heard him say. I heard him say, if you're not with us, you're against us. You know, you know, oh my God, talk about divisive. 
you know, and I'm not even a Trumper. I'm just a, a middle of the road kind of guy. But but the Democrats have pushed me very far right when it comes to what I'm thinking of these days. And like DeSantis, she, I mean, that guy's good to his wife. She's dying of cancer. He's there for her. And he's got Florida to run. He did a lot of people favors down there. Not favors. He represented them. He's not even favors. Right. He's doing his he's job. Doing his, he's doing his job. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, and he's not letting the, that liberal uh, uh, commercial machine push on people. When Disney tried it, he took took a bunch of tax money away from them, you know, millions. Now they're saying the place is dirty. It's disarray. It's got, you know, because there there's this uh, CEO, Chap, Chapek, Bob Chapek, something like that. He He's running the place into the ground, you know, and, and uh, I've never been to Disney. Have you been down there ever? Disney World? Uh, yeah, the, the one in Florida, yes. I've been there several times. I love going there. It's expensive as hell now, but yes, I've been there many, many times. They say, they say it's big bucks, but one person like rented this expensive suite and it was supposed to be all nice and they found bed bugs and whatever and it's just dirty and nasty and <laughs> whatever, man. I have no reason to go to a place like that. I mean, when you're young, it's one thing. When you get older, it's something else. I would go maybe for the photographic uh, uh, part of it, you know, capture some cool images, that type of thing. But it's it's, gonna... it's fun, but believe me, no matter what age you are, it it's a fun play. It really is. I mean, if you can afford it, it's you know, it's like ninety nine bucks for an adult nowadays for one day. But uh, you know, if you can afford to go down there and get a hotel and spend a couple of days, you you will enjoy it. Epcot Center is cool. The Disney World is cool. There's a uh, um, what you call it, uh, the Universal has a studio tour down there, which is also very nice. Uh, have you been to Harry Potter? Uh, have a shitty time. Have you been to Harry Potter? That that whole thing? Not yet. No, I would like to go to see that. Um, I, I've never read the books, but I'm kind of a fan of the movie. So, um, but yeah, I would like to go there. That place looks pretty neat. If you do the books, you can't do the movies. If you do the movies, you can't do the books. You know how it goes. <laughs> Sometimes, if, you know, you know um, I, I'm going to probably buy the books and read them because I know there's some differences between the books and the movies. Um, you know, there's a couple of movies that I've, that I've, I've read the books sometimes while I'm watching the movie, which is Dune and uh, A Clockwork Orange. And I got to say that those movies are pretty, pretty close to the book. I mean, very, very, the first Dune novel or uh, the first Dune movie with uh, David Lynch is pretty close. He added some things to it that I think were necessary, but very close to the book, almost word for word. <laughs> But the spice but, is the worm. Right. The worm but is the, the spice. <laughs> the, the first and only attempt at a copper orange done by Stanley Kubrick in the 60s with Malcolm McDowell, uh, that is almost 100% that's, to the book. That's the movie I like because that's got all the, that's got Sting in there and it's got, uh, yeah. right? I mean, who else? Everybody was in that movie. Freddie Jones, uh, who was in Crawl, um, his wife. Is that the was one I'm thinking of? Crawl. Maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of. Who am I thinking of? Which is the one I'm thinking? No, maybe Malcolm McDowell wasn't in there. No, the one was stinging it. Which one was that one? That's Dune. Yeah, but which 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 Dune? 1984, the one directed by um, David Lynch. Oh, so was that was it really 84? I, I thought it was earlier than that, like back no, in 1984. That movie was badass, though. Oh my god, it was. I cool. liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I didn't I think they were right it. on. It took me five times to watch just to get the the idea of it. <laughs> I think they were straight on with their technology. I like movies that that really focus on technology and, and stretch it instead of making up something, you know, 
completely different. Like, you ever watch a, a British sitcom called Red Dwarf? Um, yeah, uh, one of my friends on Facebook actually was the costumer for the American version of that show. Really? Yes. It was an American version? Yes. I didn't know about that. I, I was into Red Dwarf, and, uh, you know, just I was watching them on the BBC, and then now I have them all on DVD, man. I got, got them all. But, uh, but man, what a great show. When they really focused on the technology, it's, it's a sitcom, though. I mean, it's a sci-fi sitcom, you know. And, and that guy Lister basically traversing the universe like he's the, the like this just this total slob, you know what I mean? Who who like bites his toenails and you know that to trim them and that type of thing. But very real cool and very real. And he's like really the only human left. He's there with the cat that he, he saved, which became a whole cat race. And then now it's a humanoid. So he's got the dude cat and uh, uh, Rimmer. The guy he like basically hated, you know, which they made into a hologram, and then they find Crichton, the robot. Man, that show! I was watching long time ago. I was middle of the night. I was like, "What is this?" So on PBS, I'm like, "What is this?" And uh, and I thought I thought Cat was a vampire at first. I'm like, "What are these guys? Vampires? Like some weird thing?" So I'm not really into vampire stuff. I was watching it. Oh my god, did I laugh, man? They really, really have just good between those guys and. You know, great actors, and they just made people laugh. So, love Red Dwarf, but they focus on the technology. And I love that. Yeah, we need more of that. It's not a show that makes you feel bad when <laughs> you watch it and walk away from it. Yeah. Star Trek. Well, doesn't make you feel bad. Does Star Trek make you feel bad? It's supposed to be successful missions, and they're all good, right? There, there's some. I mean, you're talking about outer space, so you got to have some some bad with the good. But uh, I, I think Star Trek does pretty close to what you know the best imagination of the future would be like. You know, Galaxy how, of how Terror. Cool would it be to... About Galaxy of Terror. There's only one scene worth watching. Galaxy of Terror. There's only, <laughs> there's only one scene worth watching. But uh, that's that's an interesting one too. I like the old sci-fi ones, you know, because they're they're goofy and campy and. They're they're more real than the newer ones are all. Anything politically correct gets ruined. The Walking Dead was ruined because it got P, it was all PC. It turned into a yeah. PC machine, you know. That's one of the shows I didn't follow too much. The zombie shows, but they they were really popular and they still kind of are. Uh, but you know, and this is coming from a guy who likes sci-fi and fantasy. I don't think they're as realistic as the Star Trek shows, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, first and foremost, zombies don't wear pants. They're, there's Probably not, you, yeah. You got to think about when they're out there, eh, they're not pulling their pants up. And pants come off very easily. I know, yeah. I, I wear them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, everybody adjusts their pants during the day a few times. At if you just walk around, times. yeah. Yeah, if you're walking around through the woods, and you're bumping into other zombies, your pants are coming off. And then you're probably going to fall down because then they're around your ankles, you know. Imagine so in my, in my zombie world, you'd have a bunch of dudes on the ground, <laughs> with pants, and they can't move because they're wrapped around their ankles. And they're like, eh, you these half-naked zombies all over the place, you know. But really, even a dress on women or whatever, you dress dresses on men. How long can they possibly stay on? You're getting rained on. You're getting whatever, and you're in the trees and the bushes. They got stapled on at the at the uh, at the uh, when you know when they put you in the box. You know they're coming off. Yeah. Ever <laughs> ever walk through Buckthorn? You have to take your clothes right off. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know, man. So it's to see them all fully dressed and walking around. That was kind of funny to me. 
And then, uh, and also like the women who copped up being these warriors, there are some tough women out there and, and they will jump to it. Most of them, no, you know what I mean? Most of them would be inside hiding from, from the zombies waiting for the dudes, the utilities to go take care of the mess. So, but you know, that show got so weird and, and, you know, it was cool till they killed this guy, Glenn. And if you ever watch this guy, he kind of, he was, you know, he was happy. He was funny. He was out there. Until he got into a relationship, man. Then it was all about her. Then, then he was pining away, doing the white knight. Oh, you know, the knight in silver, you know, shining armor. Oh, we got to save her, save her. It, that became his primary focus. So why do men lose the focus on themselves when they get into a situation like that? And it shouldn't be a relationship, be 50-50. Like both yeah. people, you know what? I mean, to, to, to I have a friend who's just like, uh, I'll... I'll say it in, in scientific terms. Uh, he's pussy drunk, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, scientific. And uh, it's an AMA. You got to look up pussy drunk. And he's just infatuated with this chick. As soon as, you know what? As women will lose respect for you if you put them on a pedestal. If you buy them expensive gifts, they will lose respect for you. Because women have a whole problem mainly with their self-worth. The ones I've known in my life, your friend, friends, family, the ones I've dated, you know, if if you, like, you know, like a gift is nice, uh, an actual, okay, gift from your heart, this is something, you know, it's an occasion and whatever. But like a lot of guys go crazy with all kinds of jewelry, all kinds of expensive stuff, and they, they love right. them with these gifts, you know. And at that point, it becomes more of a property instead of uh you know the respect of a relationship so i think that a lot of communication is lost there you know and, and i try to retrace my steps and my my bad relationships what went bad and uh it was probably all me at one point or another you know <laughs> you know you know i have a problem and i don't like people that's one of my problems i i can deal with people for a, a short time uh, but i never really found the one that i wanted to be around all the time and my last yeah, relationship—that's the hard part. That really is a hard part. The last one, you know, I, I raised your kids. We were together 15 years. It, it was a situation, you know. She, you know, got issues and like narcissistic, and it was very tough just getting through there. And I really felt like it was a duty to raise the kids, and you know, they weren't mine, but I felt like they felt like they were, and you know, we just went forward doing that. But you know, she she couldn't have a good day without making you feel bad, you know, or making you cry taking you down and that's not good that's not good for people no, with your self-worth and and your self-respect and your self-esteem you know when someone's tearing you apart you know the liberals do this thing where they sexualize everything you ever notice that yeah. and uh, there was this tennis thing going on and the, the girl's father came over patted her on the back and maybe his two lower fingers you know hit her ass and then the coach came over and there were guys were from slovenia or whatever you know pat her on the back and all these people attacked. Oh my God, he sexualized you, touched her sexually. Look what he did. That's disgusting. And he molested her. You know, yeah, live on TV in front of everybody. The guy molested his daughter because his two fingers hit her, hit her ass. It's, it's a sickness in your mind mm -hmm. if you if yeah. you sexualize everything. And, and the people that that assume that all these actions were, were negative actions, maybe that's something inside of themselves is why they jump to that, you know. Yeah, it's you see it in like these, you know, these clickbait things. Like they they come on the uh, the browsers. I, I saw one the other day. They were 
and I didn't read the article because <laughs> I, I didn't care, but <laughs> uh, one of these little 20-year-old uh, blonde tennis players, her like her profile picture on her credentials to get in and out of the, the tennis tournament was her in a, a one-piece bathing suit. Mm. And people had an issue with that. Like, oh, how how dare she sexualize herself by putting, a, you know, herself in a bathing suit on a, you know, her tennis credentials. So what? Who cares? And liberal, She's in a bathing suit. So, you know, liberal people are supposed to be liberal. There's, there's, you know, it was the conservatives like you got to cover up and all that. Right. And, right? and, but, and the liberals are like, no, you know, take your shirt off. Right. I mean, it was that free, free the boobs. All that right. stuff. Free the, free the boobies. Yeah, they. they I don't get the, why people give an issue about that. Who cares what her picture is? Now, nowadays, it's free the boobies, but don't stare at them. There, there are clubs in New York yeah. City that have a staring rule that uh, if you stare at someone, you'll be thrown out. And what the hell is that all about? You know, that's part of the business. It is Look, I'm a dude. There's bare <laughs> boobies. I'm going to look. You can't stop it, you know? I worked in that business, and, and I was an entertainment writer, and I will tell you, you go to a winger show, you go to a, back in the day, any of these shows where girls come wearing lingerie. They don't come wearing clothes. They're there in straight up lingerie. They're showing their stuff off or whatever. Hey, man, you know, I had to hire a bunch of shot girls. And my friend's dad owned, uh, I remember a club called Goldfingers back in the day. Remember Goldfingers? <clears throat> it was a strip club, you know. It became uh, some sports. This is still a strip club, but it has a sports name. <laughs> <laughs> They just changed the name. Anyway, you know, because so, you know, he and I were there all the time trying to pick the girls up. And uh, and I said, you know, tell Loudon, you want a job? You want to come come to the, the club and, you know, get get 100 bucks a night plus tips. You get to walk around. You gotta, don't take your clothes off or anything like that. But these girls were knockouts, man. And they came. They made so much money selling those shots while doing roving shots in, in the, and just out. Because, you know, the club was so big. It was hard. There were four bars. There was hard for people to get to the bars because there were so many people in there. So I'm like, send them out, you know, send out the shots and give, bring them to the people instead of let them come to the bar. So, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with showing some flesh. There's nothing wrong with showing people's bodies. They, they, the liberals will say sex workers are okay, uh, should be legal and all this other stuff. But then they say, don't stare at boobs, right? Yeah. That make any sense to you? No, it didn't make as much as it makes any sense for those, those Muslim countries where they cover up the girl because, you know, I, I might lose control because I see a lock of blonde hair or I see her ankle. You know, holy cow, look out. There's a girl's ankle. I How about, think I'm going to lose who, control. Uh, you know, you I don't know I really understand some of that stuff. It, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. You know who Milana uh, uh, Vaintrub is? No. So if you watch commercials, she's that AT&T girl. When, when the big oh, Milan Rantrop. Yes, yes, yes. I know. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember her AT&T girl name, but yeah. She's cute. So you identified the boobs. I said, I said the one with the big boobs, you identified. So that's her that's her identity. She she, you know, now is trying to cover up and compress your boobs because people made online comments that she has beautiful boobs. And then she's like, How dare you say I have beautiful boobs? And you know, I'm more than that. So I investigated, I looked into her background. And uh, and here she is in the beginning of her career in, in a masturbation video. And one of them uh, completely nude, taking her clothes off. She in the video, she said to the guy holding the camera, you like my boobs? I like my boobs. I think they're nice and squeezing and all that. And then she's naked and a whole bunch of other stuff. How could you be a hypocrite and say 
now I don't want you to look at my boobs. But <laughs> before, that's how she got into the business, was her big, luscious boobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. She she has she is somewhat of a uh, uh, flipper on that subject for sure. I agree with you on that. Um, she's she's Russian from, from Russia, right? She came to to America and you know, Ukraine. I think actually she's from no, Ukraine. she's from Russia. She and from Russia? came here to yep, came here to America. All this other stuff, that type of thing. I, I just say don't be a hypocrite, man. You know, Alyssa Milano did the same stuff. She yeah. she was naked in all these movies, some vampire movie where she was getting with with uh, two dudes and a girl. You know, force them, and then yeah. she's then she's on the internet saying, "Don't look at my boobs." You know, so people shared pictures. You know, it's the internet, and once things are out there, they're out there. And she, you know, her mother had this big crusade on on "Don't look at her boobs," and how dare you? She's the one who showed you. She's the one who said, "Look at my boobs." Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, what? So so then all of a sudden they regret it, or they don't. You know, they they I don't know, man. But but to chastise people because of it. Or to make people feel like you're some you're some creep because you look, listen, man, we're sexual creatures. That's how we have sex. We look at the opposite sex. Some people look at the same sex and they say, I want that, you know, yeah. or the two people say, I they want each other. Usually the ones you want don't want you, the ones that you don't want want you. Right. Yeah. That's, that's usually how it works out. But that's that's the that's the factor of attraction, you know. I mean, you don't you don't look at someone who's completely like out of your realm, out of your your comfort zone, out of you know any other kind of attraction, and go yeah, I gotta go and meet that. No, you go after what you like. You, either you like the way she looks, the way she dresses, the way she walks, something that you like. It, it has to be like there. Period. If you show too much interest, you're gonna go nowhere. Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you, I was in a unique position to observe common relationships between people and then hear about it later on and, and, and as soon as these guys crossed that zone like my friend who who is like crazy for this girl do, did everything for her border border an engagement ring right and they're gonna get married then she broke up with him uh because she's going to go back down south and he's out and out west and then he's like no no hold on to the ring well you know when you come back and whatever i was like dude Take that ring back and tell her goodbye. Hey, it was fun. I'll see you later. I got a date later on tonight. That's right. the way. If you want them to love you, that's the only way, unfortunately, unless you meet that one person. We call them uh, Nawaltz. Uh, not all women are like that. <laughs> that's what Nawaltz stands like. That if you meet that one person who just loves you for you, you love them for them. Hey, it does happen. I know people who, who have been in that. But usually when you're together with someone for a long time, there's there's issues there. There's stuff there, you know, and then it depends on what they have accumulated between the two properties, houses, kids and, and whatever that complicates things, too. And people end up cheating on each other. And that adds a whole different level of messed up, you know, to the whole situation. So but it, it's you don't want to be nasty to the person that you love. Right. And, and I think that's really it. And men, men love women for women, but women love men for for what they can do for them. You know, there's there's a big difference there too. You know, so, uh, yeah, and then part of that's true. Yeah, the, the the things that they can do that women aren't usually traditionally taught, like fixing things and swinging hammers and stuff. But a lot of women you know, now can't even cook. The case. A lot of women now don't even cook. You know, I cook. Yeah. My mom taught me to cook, and she's going to cook. You can take care of yourself. 
you know, and, and when you meet people that that don't cook, they don't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So you meet like these lot of these young women, they got the big nails, they got the hair, they got all that stuff, and you know, the Gucci purses, they're they're very conscious on on what they spend on things and uh and everything has got to be uh, really top notch, top flight, right? And then they say, right. Oh, I don't I don't clean and I don't cook and I don't do any of those things. You know, would you look to someone like that for for a relationship? I mean, you know, that that's someone you know. If yeah, if you can't so you gotta be able to cook. I mean, it, it, it's just the basic principle of life. If you can't make yourself something to eat, uh, what are you here for? You know? Back I mean, back in the day, the women would have the food on the stove and the men would come home from work and then they would smell no. that food and kiss their wives or women or whatever, and then that was their lives. Man, things have changed though. You know, in in our lives and the roles that people had, things have changed. And family, families change. Families broken up, you know, into pieces. In some cases, a lot of it's financial. We were actually talking about this on 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 Jeff's show just before this. That um, you know, we were talking about this thing called archaeofuturism, where uh, you, you take like a, a like our culture as it is today, but you put like Star Trek style uh, technology into it. Um, so things are kind of out of place when we were talking, I was talking about how cool would it be if we had the fifties, 1950s, like, but like leave it to Beaver, like, you know, okay. Home values, you know, like the, that kind of fifties you know, innocence, but we had the connectivity of today where you have the internet and all this information is instantly, you know, as soon as something exposed over in China, you know about it within minutes. Imagine having that old fifties morality with today's technology. Where would we be? Saw, would there be a war in Ukraine because of it? I just saw the beaver in uh, Tremors 3. I was watching Tremors 3. <laughs> that came out a long time ago. And the, the beaver was movie. in there. He played the scientist, the little short scientist guy. <laughs> I don't know I if you know. Back the I, have, I have all those movies. I'll have to go and check that. I haven't yeah, seen he's the guy with the glasses, man. You know, he's uh, he's uh, well, that's Ernie, right? He's not, no, that's not Leave. Is that Leave the Beaver? No, Ernie. Ernie, Ernie from uh, My Three Sons. There you go. <laughs> My okay. brain works all of a sudden. But uh, it's it's cool seeing those guys in these movies all these years later. You know, every once in a while, I I love the Tremors movies. I'm a Tremors. You know what? From the whole series, man, all of them are awesome. Yeah, they're, they're, I I enjoyed them. Even the TV show was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I like how they kind of went from one to the other, and you know the the screechers and then the ass blasters. You know. <laughs> making the complete circle of life for for that worm you know it's pretty cool but that's the thing about these movies like 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 christmas movies you know i was looking at a bunch today that they're advertising because christmas coming up obviously you know and then uh you'll get them now for free you know on these services but the second they get into november you're paying for these christmas movies and paying big bucks charlie brown christmas that's that's a classic Right, but they're gonna make you pay like, I, like yeah, I've never paid for it. You know, that 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 particular video is as old as us. It's, it was, yep. came out in 1966. Yeah, and I've never ever 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 paid to see it. It's always been on TV, always been for free, and it was like every year you could watch it for at least a day. Yeah, I have it on DVD. Luckily, I went crazy a few years ago buying DVDs on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them were so cheap, you know, it was like when digital stuff was starting. So maybe a lot of people thought people aren't going to watch DVDs anymore. But when you catch the market, when something's going out, man, you get deals. CDs. I have I have hundreds of CDs 
and you know, and, and a lot of these CDs have 15, 20 songs on there. You know, you mm-hmm. only pay three or four or five bucks for the CD when, when it was crashing because they want you to pay a, a buck, a buck and a quarter or whatever it is now for a digital copy, right? right. And, you know, if you go on Amazon or whatever, you know, or iTunes, but you know, the music doesn't sound as good. Uh, like even people that argue vinyl over over anything like you know starting with vinyl yeah. vinyl's cool but but cds really had a, a good technology about them you know a lot of my cds became sick you know they start to flake the ones made back in the 80s and you gotta toss them out because that's it for that they, they have a lifespan technology. yeah they eventually will stop functioning correctly yep and then uh, but I, I took them and i downloaded them on my computer and i have external drives which i have all my music on there but you know, when you play digital, it just doesn't sound it doesn't sound as robust. If and if you take CDs and you take an aqua blue magic marker and you go around the edge of the CD on the inside and on the outside, when the laser is hitting the CD, it keeps the light inside, which uh and which helps the music. It gives you more of a robust sound, wow. you know. So that was a big deal back in the day when CDs came out. We were all with our blue magic markers, man. But but now you have like the, everything's digital and it's just not 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 as good. I mean, it's I not, guess you just have to have the even you know, if the music was as good, it's not the same. And when you when you go to your record collection, whether it's CDs or re- or vinyl records, you've got a physical thing that you can flip through and look at. You know, I've got I've yeah. got I've got six uh, furnitures upstairs that have my DVDs and my my music on it. Uh, yeah. I've got nine hundred titles or more than nine hundred titles of DVDs and movies, and then I have I think four hundred and twenty something. Close to close to four hundred something uh, CD music uh, from different various genres, but half the fun of selecting it is you don't know what you want to select, so you have you sit there and look at the collection like, oh, I, I'd love to see that again. I haven't seen that. I haven't heard that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, the the joy of picking it out is half of the fun of listening to it. Right. Exactly. That was that was albums. You know, albums like and, and CDs. I mean, like I said, I've got a I've got a, a CD rack up there that's. You know, almost completely, one hundred percent full of music. And going I to a record store, I to. I go you know, going to a record store and, and flipping through albums and that type of thing. And it was, it was something to do. It was cool. There's always something that you're like, oh, look at this one, or if that one's on sale or yeah. whatever. It was, it was good. Woolworths, man, that was a great place to buy albums. I bought my Blues Brothers album there for ninety nine cents. I was like 11 years old, whatever it was that that came out, man. The old old Saturday Night Live, you know, the good old days, man. That was a, but, that and was the Blues a good Brothers. Show. That's the number one selling blues album of all time. Do you know? Really? And, wow. And, and black musicians hate that the blues because they're you know the Blues Brothers. It was kind of a, a a joke, right? I mean, not a joke, but it was part of Saturday Night Live. They were characters, you know. They, but then they, they went on the road. Characters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they went on the road. They played a lot of places. Blues Brothers Band, they were everywhere. But they're a great band. They're great. When you listen to it, you're like, wow, because these guys really had the talent and the ability. Most you know? most so, of the band members are members of the Saturday Night Live band. Exactly. So they're, these oh. guys were professional musicians. And, right. You, you can know, see some of those guys on the show from the beginning, from like 1973 onward. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Those, you know, I miss the old days because I think there were simpler times. You know, even though things were complicated, uh, in my own personal life, but you know what I mean. Like these days, I don't envy these kids. They're they're yeah. they're messed up, and uh, even even when they get high, you know, Tide Pods and, and compressed air, 
You know, they yeah. just they just made compressed air. Like if you buy whipped cream here in New York, you got to show your ID. Yeah, you got to oh, be yeah, sure. buy it. Yeah, got to show your ID to buy whipped cream. You don't have to show your ID to vote. They don't want you to show your ID to vote. Think about right. that. But, but to buy cream. to buy spray paint or you know air duster or any of those kind of things, whipped cream, they want your ID. So they don't know how to they party. These, but they also they don't take they don't take your ID when you buy a can of like Lysol or a can of Pledge. Well, you ever see those people, those documentaries of the people who, who consume chemicals to get high, or mm-hmm. they'll they'll eat like uh, Ajax and whatever, and you're watching this, and their teeth are falling out, they're all messed up because they're eating these chemicals, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, you know what I mean. At some point, when you if you own Ajax, you want to hire that person to. To be your guinea pig. <laughs> Here's your new spokesmodel. No tooth gym. Try try to float float a new food a new food group. Right. Yeah. Keep, Ajax. Keep it's what clean you don't inside. want for Clean from from mouth to tailpipe, you know, that type of thing. But I don't know, man. It, it, the world's getting loopier. The loopy people are are, are attacking. There, there oh, doesn't yeah. seem to be a lot of logic to it. You know, there's just all these random attacks. Man, they just so much of it, right? I mean, do do you think it's just because the media is focused on it and they're putting all these stories out there, or or do you think that stuff is just increasingly getting worse? I, I think people are just losing it. I mean, it just uh, think about. It. I mean, I, I for the last few months I've been struggling. I mean, I got a I, I'm starting a new job next month, so I'll be yeah. making some more money, but than what I'm what I'm used to having, but. The, the whole I was going nuts, you know, five dollars for a gas, a, a gallon of gas, and my my current work is fourteen miles away. Yeah, one one gallon one gallon of gas in my car is an average of like thirty four miles, so that's one round trip. That's a lot of mileage. My Jeep gets like seventeen on the highway, thirteen putting around. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I mean I'm on country roads, but I mean I, I get on the highway for like two or three exits as well. So I mean I'm, it's like mostly long country roads. I get an average of thirty five miles to a gallon. That's pretty good. But that is good. It, but still, that's five dollars for one one trip to to and from work. Now it's going to be a little bit smaller. It's a three mile commute, and I'm I'm getting uh, at least a five dollar raise, pretty close to it. Uh, so things will be a little bit more affordable, but you know, just the panic of where am I going to get fifteen bucks if I run out of gas before my paycheck comes? I mean, I literally had that problem. You got to go outside one of those gas stations with like, like blind person glasses on and raise money. You know, <laughs> like you got to go out and sell yourself as a prostitute in the middle of the street. So I, for, yeah, I'm sorry, sir. I get, need some change for gas. Get one of those buckets and play them like a drum. Right, like, yeah, pickle drum, pickle drum band. <laughs> hey, man, I need money, man. Please, <laughs> please, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's Sometimes no joke. Works, but, but you know, the, that that's where I think all this this is coming from is people are just flat out panicking. I mean, it's I, I have friends that do Uber. They they yeah. have their normal job, and then they also signed up for Uber. So if they need extra money, they just run some people, you know, and they can get twenty, forty, fifty bucks. Uh, you know, just from doing that, it's wear and tear in your car, and it's your life too. You know, so I mean, I've I've had driving jobs, between jobs, and it is what it is. You know what it is? It's money, and and it's it's easy work, and it's high high pay. 
you know, I don't know about now <laughs> what goes yeah. on. I don't know. I don't know Uber's about. It's not something that would appeal to me though, because I mean, my, my brother suggested that when I was in, in between jobs at one point in years and years ago, and I'm like, you know, that it doesn't. The money sounds good, but it doesn't sound appealing. He's like, why don't you just go and get an Uber job and drive drunks around? And I'm like, have you ever been around drunks? Uh, <laughs> they're not always fun. <laughs> but for the people that like, if if they're going to dedicate themselves to Uber and they have like a separate vehicle they can use just for that, you know, and and uh, it's not their own private vehicle. I mean, I can see that part of it, I guess. But mm -hmm. you know, to use your own vehicle for any kind of job is kind of a no-win scenario because they're not going to fix your car. You know, actually, I think Uber does. I think they they have a program that if your car breaks down. They they have cheap repair shops, but they're, they're not going to fix it for you. you know? Yeah, but, then, but I'm pretty sure that if you if you're using your car as a job and it's not declared as a job vehicle on your insurance, uh, they're not going to pay. Yeah, well, because rideshare, oh. it's a, it's rideshare, so they get around the law. Like like right. back in the day when when I drove on Long Island, I was between club jobs, and then uh, you know that was the only job I could get at that time, and then. Turned out to be a great job because so I was meeting girls and making great money, and I was like, "Wow, you know," and having fun because I drove the nighttime shift, and it was, everybody was just kind of goofy and hanging out, you know. But uh, yeah. so it was only like six or seven months, so I didn't have to have to do it too long, you know. But but you know what it is? It, it's 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 your own self worth, man. I I think that I don't know, it, and and it's also the money. How much how much money? Well, well, then this guy turned me on to the limousine business, and he said, you know, you drive a limousine, you'll get half the book plus 35% tip. I was making $1,000 a day, you know, one day. And then he told yeah. people that, oh, there's no way. I'm like, well, you, you want to look at, if you're going to go for some entry-level job, go for one that pays. You know, when you make a minimum wage, you're not going to make money on a minimum right. wage. You need, you need to extend that. So, like, for Uber and all that, like, for us... Like, let's say I, I, I ran someone to LaGuardia. We did a lot of airport service. I ran someone to LaGuardia, right? I wasn't allowed to pick somebody up there and take them anywhere because I didn't have a medallion, you know. Uh, and, and you know, the TLC, the Taxi Limousine Commission, they will fine you thousands of bucks. They will impound your vehicle, and, and you will be done, you know. So, but if you got a call at that and they're going back to your town in Long Island or, or the next town over, those calls you can do. You can go to the airport, pick those guys up because it's it's different. So now with Uber, it's ride share. So they can they can pick anybody up at the airport. They can they can kind of do anything, you know, and get around the yeah. TLC. You, you know those medallions are over a hundred thousand bucks for a taxi cab in the city per, per year. A hundred thousand dollars wow. for, for a medallion. And, and you know, then they put these people in to drive the cabs and you know they make their money, but they really have to hustle to, to really complete that. So it's really, you know, if you think about the government. They, they really put the screws to you a lot of different ways. And I think that at least Uber and Lyft have found a way around things, you know. But, right, but uh, that, but that know, hack license, that hack one dying, that's a, that's a city, uh, that's a city government. It's, it's not like, it's not right. like that in every city. Five, five boroughs. So, so if you're going to, if you're going to traverse, traverse the five boroughs and, and think you're going to have that kind of business, you need the medallion, uh, you know, unless, there's this livery, this livery. So, like a lot of times, you'll find the livery cabs. They're, they're the ones who are, are willing to go into Harlem and Spanish Harlem and the Bronx and all, all the places you don't want to go when they know you're carrying cash. You know, I had to mm -hmm. drop somebody off at Bedford Stuyvesant one night 
And there was like a group of like 20 something dudes across the ways, all these black guys hanging out. This is two o'clock in the morning, by the way. And then uh, she had a baby in the baby carriage. I had to get out to, to uh, the car to, to take the baby and baby carriage out of the back and help her out with it. These guys are like, we're going to rob your white ass, Mo Epa. And I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ. And, you know, I was lucky to get out of there. I was happy to get out of there. And so, but, but yeah, you know, that that's what livery was for. You They go to places, and the livery laws are a little different. But ride share is, with ride share, you can have a limousine and, and not yeah. pay. You know, like like when I had my limo company, I had to pay. Seven thousand dollars per vehicle for for insurance. Seven thousand bucks for just for insurance per and, month. And uh, yep, yeah, oh no, per, per year. You know, seven thousand oh. a year. So so, which is a hell of a lot of money for car insurance. And you, but you're running people. But you know, and then the newer your vehicle, the more they charge you. So they yeah. actually like punish you for having a new fleet. You know, they want you to have all broken down stuff to to play the game. But then your customers aren't going to have that experience. So now let's think about Uber. Let's say you bought a stretch limousine and then you want to run people. You can do that with a ride share, normal license plate. You don't need to worry about livery or, or any other, nothing, nothing, and run people and keep that money for yourself. You know, so they kind of open the door for a lot of people if they want, want to get into that type of thing, you know, but uh, it's crazy business. You know what I mean? Airport service is one thing. You know, just picking people up, dropping off. It's a whole it's like the drunks. You don't want that, you know. It's just drunks, druggies, whatever the hell yeah. they are. They're always trying to get over on you. And you know, a lot of them smell, they want to puke in the car and all that. One guy puked in the car. I drove his ass to the car wash and I made him clean it out. He's like, dude, really? wow. you gonna make me clean it? I'm like, Yeah, you're gonna clean it right now. And he was he was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, that's one of the I'm a lot bigger like when I get it. out of the car, man. We're just sitting in the car. You look kind of small. <laughs> and he's like, go, come on, dude. Like, yeah, you got to clean it. Hey, you know what you, I mean? You, you got to clean it. Yeah, I mean, and that's 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 something I wouldn't want to have had to dealt with either. It's just, you know, driving drunks around who are going to throw up in your car. At least no. in a limousine, people get in there. To, they're either going to party, they're going to have a good time, or some kind of wedding thing, and, and they, they respect the space, you know. So I didn't right. do a lot of stretch work, you know, but I have friends that drove a lot of stretch stretch limousines. It's, it's a long shift. It's a long day. There's no limitations for limousines like truck drivers. Truck drivers is uh, 12 hours on, 12 hours off is the rule. You know what I mean? Limousine? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> you can drive 18 hours. They don't care. They don't, they don't give a crap. So, but whatever, man. But you know what it is? It was $1,000 a day. I did bachelorette parties, man. Bachelorette parties. They would take their claws off in the back of the limousine. How hard is it to drive down the road with all these girls behind you jumping up and down naked? Yes, actually, I do. <laughs> I was all dashing in my silk shirt. <laughs> I didn't wear a tie. I didn't wear one of those limousine hats. I wouldn't. I told the dude. I'm like, if you think I'm going to do that, I'm not going to do it. I said, I'll drive the thing, and I'll be cool. You know, you give me that, that right. grand a day, then, then that's I'm happy with that. I only had to work a couple of days a week. <laughs> and the rest of the time, I was right, chilling, yeah. <laughs> chilling at the beach, you know. But but that's the limousine business too. A lot of it's just weekend work, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah you but, lose your weekend job. Making when bank. you work for a company, you work for a company. They they own you basically, and they they tell you what to do. You do it. I mean, I don't know about Home Depot or Lowe's. I I know that these corporations are very tight though, you know, especially with I. 
like marijuana is becoming a weird thing because like in new york now it's legal so if they drug test you i don't think they can keep you from that job unless it's unless it's something that you can't do if you're you know whatever right Maybe like, like driving some like, federal jobs oops. yeah they could like but like um, driving you know if they go by the federal laws they i guess they can do that but yeah. not the state laws but i know in uh las vegas they i've seen a lot of court cases that got ruled against uh the businesses for not hiring people because they were smoking marijuana you know so i don't know more gray areas man it's better just to be better to be under the radar whatever you do do it under the radar because this is a crazy world and things aren't getting any easier even the even the jobs out there dude we're talking about jobs but man the the lack of of good jobs there's lots of service industry jobs but the lack of good yeah. jobs are not there they're not there well, no, the jobs that are available out there are in, in what I do is in warehousing and in the uh, home improvement area. I mean, UPS, um, FedEx, they're all always hiring constantly. But they, you know, and Amazon also has like three or four new uh, factories, not factories, but warehouses up here in this area. So, oh, yeah. but they're so high volume that they're also very dangerous places to work, uh, particularly, so the truck particularly drivers. Amazon. The truck drivers picking up, dropping off, you know, a lot of them don't touch the freight. So they just pick up the box, right? And, Most and truck drivers do not the unload the trucks. No, they drop off a trailer and either they, yeah. un they uncouple and drive on to the next job or they stay until it's empty. And they're getting uh, 45 bucks an hour, the truck drivers. 45 an hour. That's basically what they make, you know, uh, even entry level. It's around there, $35, $40 an hour. So. Yeah, something like that. But, you know, some of the smaller mom and pop shops is $20, $21, $22 an hour. But they also some of the long hauler ones, uh, the book where you have to go several states or you do an overnight, you know, several three or four days overnight driving, uh, there's a mileage. So you get like 10 cents for a mile. And if you get in right. the cities, it's like 35 cents a mile. Right. They, they take care of their people. I see what truck drivers get paid. It's it's grueling work, I think. It's just driving is not anything like like any any other job. You can even close your eyes for a few minutes and and collect your thoughts and take a break. And you drive. Yeah, you can, you can do this number. You can't do that while yeah. you're driving. Uh, especially a tractor trailer or something like that, you know. But I mean, it, it's that's what it comes down to to a lot of people. I know a lot of people that became truck drivers because they lost their jobs, and then they they went they went the path of least resistance. Is that you know, uh, driving a tractor trailer and they didn't mind doing the, doing the, the miles in the highway. But I well, think yeah, that ultimately... some of these places will hire you without a CDL. They will pay you to take classes either at their facility or another facility, sometimes yeah. even like a, a community college where they'll teach you how to drive uh, with a CDL license, backup trailers and all that. And then they will hi almost always hire you on. The best way to go, though, what I think, what I found, is that you go to the driving school yourself and you pay for it and you can get funding they'll you don't really have to pay for it because there's all kinds of uh especially if you're a displaced worker and that type of thing there's all kinds of funding available to pay it for you this way you get your class a license your cdl whatever you know class abc whatever you need mm -hmm. and then the company that you apply to doesn't own you you know when, when you go to their school and they train you and they do all that they make you sign a contract that you're going to work for that certain rate for like three years, you know, sometimes even longer. So they get yeah. that driver. They know that, you know, you're, and then they give you the worst trucks. They, 
They're not exactly nice yeah, you, vehicles. You might you might encounter that, but there are also there are plenty of uh, unions that protect the 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 truck drivers. AFL, I think CAO. unions protect themselves these days. I don't I don't think that the Teamsters and, and all that are actually out there for the people anymore. You know, uh, but hey, you know, it, it's just doing the mileage. You make the money and that type of thing. And if they got no family life and and nothing going on, you could even have a dog take it with you on the road. And, and do the mods. Yeah. Have you seen inside of some of these, you know, long haul rigs? They got, you know, nice amenities. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the Ritz, but some of them have king size beds. Some of them have, you know, bunk beds. So you can like bring a companion and bring, you know, you know, your wife and a small kid, which I wouldn't want to be that kid. But uh, you have full bathrooms in these things. You can shower and go to the bathroom on the road. You don't have to. Some you know, of them are like little campers, yeah. Right, well, not yeah, the ones exactly. that if you, if you sign up for like uh like that JB Hunt or any of those companies, they're not going to give you the, the big sleepers, you know, you something something minimum, you know what I mean? But lot, these guys are JB Hunt trucks. is dedicated stuff, so they're local, you know, day trip only, yeah. like they nah, JB Hunt goes and lows and whatnot, but they do have JB some Hunt goes across, across the country, yeah. MTS, JB Hunt, I know them all because I've seen them on the highways, <laughs> you know, and then uh, I know people that have worked for them from time to time. And doing all that so that that's more the track record i i would rather like i said i'd rather be in a limousine you get to dress up you know you meet some cool people if they do any damage they're paying for it you know and that's kind of it and just don't throw anything out the window like, yeah <laughs> that's it but if you can make a grand from doing something like that ra rather than and having to do the miles driving a truck yes. and going through the track some of the nicer it, fares will share their drugs and sometimes their bodies with you so the the, the trucks when you're jamming gears going through bumper to bumper traffic i can't even imagine what something worse than that you know automatic having an automatic is bad enough going through heavy traffic but but yeah. jamming gears you know you get like 13 15 gears have 20 and 30 gears so you know <laughs> so yeah man it's it's a whole world so i guess we're gonna end the show joe never got here man joe, joe never, never came, came in. in i still don't see him He's down there in the queue, but he never, that was from the beginning. I don't know. He said he was going into New Orleans and all the stuff going on. Oh, be careful, man. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> you know. he's got Bertha with him. <laughs> yeah, he's got Bertha, right? Joe's in yep. traffic. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. Only time he talks about in traffic, I had my gun out. This other guy had his gun out, whatever. Oh, my God. Who wants to deal with that? Going out, yep, you got you going out. If you live in a dangerous place, you, you you need to have that with you. I don't know. I think the people make it dangerous. <laughs> the place isn't dangerous. You live around people are dangerous. dangerous people. I mean, think about it. But uh, all right, so we're going to end the show. So tell people where they can find you, man. Uh, for the next two Fridays, I'll be on Fridays at eight with Jeff Pritchett on the Church of Mavis Radio Show. So what do you guys talk about the Church of Mavis? Is it religious? Uh, next week, it's uh, it's going to be Pleiadians and aliens and UFO conspiracies. It should be a good one. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that on Discovery Paranormal, just here and there. Alien technology, I did one of those. You know, just flopping around. I think we're getting closer to Halloween, yeah. so more talk about the spirits and that type of thing, you know, but... Uh, well, there's a lot of information out there, and a lot of people. Well, everybody's got a camera now, so they're all capturing all kinds of interesting things. 
You know, I mean, everyone's if, got if a you camera look at the people, pocket. they're always looking down at their cameras. They're never looking up with yeah. their cameras. That's the problem. Look up with it. They're not going to capture anything, though. I, I'm a photographer, and I've got some dramatic lenses. I'll, I'll tell you, if I, I have a 600, a 600 millimeter, if I take that sucker, it looks like a cannon. If I take that sucker out, yeah. it, it takes a while just to focus on something at night in the sky. Just, just, just to focus in on it, you know. And you need a my, tripod. You know, my, yeah, no, that's a big, heavy lens. My camera takes seven, seven uh, frames per second. So, so if I hit, it's like a machine gun. You hit the trigger and it's going. But I'll tell you, it still takes a long time. So you're talking about thousands of bucks worth of equipment, but it still takes a long time to zero in. To imagine a cell phone that that just you know these junky cell phones. You'll never get the quality out of the cell phone. But you know, a light in the sky. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna you can't really zero in on it. Even the moon shot and the moon is there. The moon ain't going anywhere. It, it moves very slowly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, even getting a moon shot. If you zoom in, you have a smaller, tighter area to control. So it's harder when you have a small layer like this. It's always shaky. But as you back out, it it always stabilizes. So that that's yeah, but if part you have of the if you have the lens, the lens puts you there. So so you don't really have to. It's more about lighting. It all camera work is lighting. You know, and if you have the proper lighting, you're gonna get the shot. I like to I like challenging myself. I like taking pictures of, of 747s and the night sky way up there as they're flying to, to see what kind of like uh what kind of definition I can get out of it and that type of thing. But you know, the six hundred lens I have has uh fourteen elements by themselves, fourteen pieces of glass in that sucker. That's why they're so expensive and heavy and everything, you know. Uh, yeah, heavy. They're like six pounds. Those things, five, six pounds. Yeah. Add that to your to your camera. Like my friend was like, you know, you know, I don't I don't work with a tripod. I, you know, I really don't like them. So so I gotta hold it. You know, you're gonna hold it up or whatever. And he's, I, I was doing the, uh, I was kicking myself because I should have used a tripod. The eclipse. I was doing the eclipse, and then you know, it's it's hard it's hard to capture when you're just holding the camera. And I got some okay images, but but not not uh, yeah. A, a tripod would have been good, but the camera that at that time, the camera lens combo I had weighed about 12 pounds. So when you're holding that up above your head for, yeah. for several minutes to point at something, it, it gets, uh, it can be exhausting, man. You get fatigued, you know, because you're, you're holding 12 pounds over your head for X amount of minutes. You know what I mean? So anyway, good workout. <laughs> yeah. <I'll bet>. yeah. <laughs> Huffing, but, but when I see like people with the UFO pictures and all that, well, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I have no idea. I'll share one story real quick about a UFO. Right, the the house I lived in, uh, last house I lived in, we'll say, had a beautiful view, big giant view of the lake and and uh, the hills. Right, had about an eighty mile view. I, I kind of figured, you know, from from end to end. So one night around eleven thirty five at night, something like that, I'm looking out the window, you know, and that's so why I sat in my living room. There was no TV in there at the time. It was just about the chair and and the nature and the window. And seeing all the beauty out there, right? So I'm sitting there looking, and I see this thing looks like a star or a planet, right? And it's moving from left to right. And and I gotta tell you, it was moving fast and smooth. The the smooth got me. I'm like, look at that thing. What the hell is that? And then behind it comes these two fast blip airplanes, like chasing it. Then from the northern direction, there was another one of those fast blip airplanes coming down. So then they're all converging on the same place. This smooth thing took off just like that. Like, like you can just push it with your hand. That thing gone, man. One airplane, the two airplanes that were together, one 
turned back. The other one hung around for about 15 minutes. He kept circling around. And then the ones to the north turned around. I think they were military craft. And I oh, think yeah. they, were, they were on an intercept or whatever this thing was. And then they probably told one to hang around to see if everything, you know, came around, whatever, you know what I mean? But that was my only really cool story of, and if I had a camera, it wouldn't matter. You wouldn't see anything. You you would just see the blip and the block. Couple of blurry lines, yeah. <laughs> so until they land and you could talk to them, sit down, have have a meal. It's not, it's going to be a lot of guessing, a lot of guessing involved of who who is what and what is what and that type of thing. So anyway, we're going to end the show, and you can catch me at Discovery Paranormal eight o'clock every Tuesday night Eastern time, and the Red Pill News eight o'clock every Thursday night. And of course, come here for the Centralist, where usually Joe Montaldo is here. You got Jay McNicholas, our fetus attorney man. He is here. I invited other people. They're afraid to come on. They are not here. And then uh, and then Joe said some John or whatever he was going to come on. I don't know who he's talking about. He's not here. <laughs> so just us it was tonight. us, and I think it was a good show, man. I had a lot of fun. Always, always having a good time, man. You know. <laughs> so we'll say I'll see you later. See you guys next week. On the show, and whatever will happen by then, how many more illegal immigrants will show up in Beverly Hills or, or <laughs> Martha's Vineyard or whatever? We'll find out on the next show. Bye, y'all. Good night.